All right, welcome to Pack Talk Podcast, episode 74. I'm honored to have Bob with me today, um, which I'll let Bob introduce himself here in a second, but I've known Bob for many years, and to be honest, I've tried to get him on this podcast for many years, and we finally <laughs> locked him in, so very thankful to have him here today, but just a quick story, Bob has helped me so much throughout my life becoming a uh, an adult, let's just say, first-time home buyer. You know, Bob was my inspector. And I was looking at a couple houses. He inspected, I believe, two houses for me. But yeah. went to the first one. Bob, thankfully, let me follow him around. And he was giving me all his expertise on everything. And I learned so much just following him around, getting his knowledge, which I'm sure that inspection probably took longer than it was supposed to because I was asking him so many questions. But he was there to tell me all about the crawl space and the roof and the house and pointing things out that I had no idea about and even helping me look into the future like, hey, and and two years you want to do this and two years you want to do that right so then I didn't end up getting that house and then I went to my next house and Bob came out and inspected that house too same thing you know following him around he's showing me all the intricate details of the house pointing specific things out to me trying to give me a heads up like hey in 10 years you want to be thinking about this and five years you want to be thinking about that so Bob is just has an extreme wealth of knowledge and super honored to have him here today not just with home inspections and homes but also pest control because bob has two businesses at least you might have more by now but you have (laughs) home inspections and pest control and so he's worked with us on setting up a pest control plan for our property and then i ended up altering that plan because i got chickens and bob's like well we got to alter the plan now because we got the chickens so we had to alter the plan and get on the right track with that but bob is just an extreme wealth of knowledge there's no way we're going to be able to tap into all his knowledge today in just this short conversation so if you're in the area charleston south carolina somerville south carolina what's your operational area is that basically it go about an hour in each direction from somerville hour in each direction to somerville hit up bob for pest control and home inspections and anything else or you can probably hit him up and ask for recommendations on certain things but uh Bob, thanks for thanks for coming in today, and uh, t- tell us a little bit about yourself and your businesses first. Well, it's awesome to be here, man. Uh, really beautiful. We appreciate you, property bro. you have out here. I mean, I knew it was beautiful when we came out and inspected it. Yeah. but you've really done a good job in uh, creating a home out of it now. And, appreciate uh, it, man. Yeah. So, uh, Bob Wiggins. Uh, affectionately referred to as inspector bob yep and uh <laughs> master inspector I, I am now a certified master inspector that's right mm-hmm. uh, and really what that means is that i've just done enough inspections and i've done enough education to uh be labeled as such yeah officially nice. but uh own uh, carolina premier inspections uh, we're a full service inspection company we do commercial inspections residential inspections new construction inspections and as you mentioned pre-drywall inspections mm-hmm. um it's been uh, a crazy ride with that you yeah. know uh, i've been doing inspections in south carolina since 2015 I've done over 6,000 fee-paid inspections now. Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's so crazy, bro. It's a lot of houses, and it's a lot yeah. of crawl spaces. I realized uh, when I moved out here, you know, they call it the low country, and I mm-hmm. thought it was because, you know, it's flat and low, and we're at <laughs> sea level. No, it's because the crawl spaces are exceptionally low. And there's some water in there sometimes. <laughs> the crawl spaces are low here. It is the low country because of the crawl spaces. Nobody will convince me otherwise. <laughs> there's probably some things you found in crawl spaces you you didn't want to find. Oh yeah, and and there's crawl spaces. I you know we, we charge extra for a crawl space, and mm-hmm. I've come up to crawl spaces and I've looked at my client literally and said, "Can I pay you to not 
go oh in the crawl my space. <laughs> <laughs> but we we do. It, yeah. it, it's not my favorite part of yeah. the inspection, but it's probably the most important part of the inspection. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, make sure to crawl every uh, every possible area that I can in the crawl space. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the crawl space is where good home inspections go to die sometimes. Mm. Yeah, uh, a lot a lot of the problems are found in the crawl space, but I've literally heard of other home inspectors saying, "Oh, I can't do the crawl space," and it was because they were overweight or just oh, man. not just didn't want to go in there, so they came up with some kind of excuse, and then the homeowner got screwed later because they were That's like, right. "Okay, I guess we're good to go," and That's then right. two years well, later, home wreck. Yeah, you know? a, a disclaimer in the inspection report that says I was unable to access the crawl space that mm-hmm. is a disclaimer that you don't want to feel comfortable reading mm-hmm. and as yeah. a home inspector it's a disclaimer I don't feel comfortable writing right uh, yeah you talk about being in shape um, it, you can have the best most knowledgeable inspector in the world if he can't access an area then he's useless mm-hmm. unfortunately so yeah, yeah uh, a fitness does tie into oh, yeah. uh, home inspecting certainly uh, you're a better inspector uh, the better shape that you're in yeah uh, but we do have the pest control division as well carolina premier, premier pest control mm-hmm. uh, pest control has been the family trade for three generations a lot of people don't know that my grandfather owned a pest control company my father owned a pest control company my whole life and now i have a pest control company as well yeah so we've got uh, uh generations of family trade secrets yeah. that, that we use and I, i've kind of combined that with you know, the newer technologies come along and mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of a hybrid of uh, old school philosophies and techniques and, and new school technologies yeah and uh we, we're full service. We do termite protection for eastern subterranean termites, for most termites. We do household pest control. Mm-hmm. We do lawn, ornamental, and turf pest control. We offer mosquito uh, mitigation. We also uh, perform wildlife services, okay. uh, you know, humane uh, techniques to eliminate uh, wildlife infestations in structures. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. A quick story on the pest control. I was over at my grandmother's house one day. I think I called you because she had, like... I was just over there visiting and she's like, I have these gnats everywhere. I was like, really? And, uh, I, I think I'm pretty sure I called you right then and there. And I said, Hey, my grand, my grandmother has this gnat problem. And you said, look here, look there. And I'm just on the phone with you. And I look and there's like a bag and, and there was like gnats completely in the bag. And you're yeah. like, that's yeah. the source yeah. that's got to go. Yeah. So I pulled that out of the house and then you guys came by a couple of days later and Actually, got it squared I think, away. I think what we were dealing with there was Indian meal moths. Oh really? Yeah. 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 A, a common, uh, pantry pest they mm. get in bird seed and broken grain products and things like that yeah and uh yeah usually when you're seeing them in the home there's a source there's a breeding area yeah uh you know any pest infestation has to have certain requirements to be a pest infestation and mm. that is shelter and it's a food source mm. and it's a uh, the right environment to yeah. uh, develop through life cycles yeah so yeah she kind of checked all the boxes on that one <laughs> and uh was seeing the results from that but she got squared away with you guys oh yeah absolutely so, yeah. absolutely um just 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 the sweetest yeah person too you know she, well, she's really nice yeah good to go yeah. man so let's jump into home inspection topics try and get some knowledge from you okay sure so uh you know, people that are buying a home, right? The home inspection is or should always be a part of that home purchasing process. Um, Why is that so important? And then should they be done routinely 
after someone buys a home like if you've had a home for five years should you have another inspection done just to check things like what's your thoughts yeah yeah i mean it's not a bad idea people don't like the idea of paying for that home inspection uh to do like maintenance inspections but Mm -hmm. you know if you don't have the knowledge and the ability to go around and shine a a bright light into dark places yeah then um it's not a bad idea to have somebody to do that periodically yeah i don't think that you have to do that on an annual basis Mm -hmm. uh but you know if you're in a home and you're going to stay in that home for a while you know every five years would not be a bad idea yeah uh definitely that helps you with like longevity of the home yeah i'm thinking like just like maintaining a vehicle you have to maintain your home but it's more complicated that's right that's right Uh, a a good home inspector can go in and identify things that are in need of maintenance Mm -hmm. and as you know uh, preventative maintenance uh, really saves in repair costs down the road, sometimes expensive repair costs yeah. down the road. I mean, you know, we, we maintain everything. Like you said, vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, we maintain our, ourselves, our, uh, you know, dental. Yep. You know, you got to go in and get those dental cleanings done. And, and, and when you're doing that, man, you're not having to drill your teeth and yeah. fill your teeth and yeah. all that stuff. So, you know, that, that gets expensive and painful. Yeah. So, so do home repairs. Yeah. Home oh, repairs yeah. can get expensive <laughs> and painful too. Yeah. <laughs> so what are like when someone's buying a home, like what, are, what, what would you say the big ticket items are that you're looking at in a home inspection? Well, I, I always, you, you can always reduce it down to the big five. Okay. All right. The big five. These are your major components in, in the home. We're talking about the roof, mm. the electrical system, mm. the HVAC system, the plumbing system, and the structural components. Okay. Okay. And if you're focusing on those things, that's where your that's where your elephants are. Mm. I always say, as a home inspector, we're looking for elephants, not ants. Yeah. So um, everything else, you know, we, we do report in, on, on a lot of other things outside of those, mm-hmm. but. Uh, that, that should be your main focus because as a homeowner, those can be the big surprises yeah. that can jump up and, and bite you. Uh, and, uh, again, not fun yeah. paying for somebody else's, the, the previous owner's uh, negligence and, and mm-hmm. lack of maintenance. Yeah. What would you say, like, in the roof, you know, like if someone's just looking at a roof, oh, it looks like it's good, you know, but you're actually getting yeah. up there and you're checking in the attic too to look for any moisture. Yeah, yeah. And what are some things you've seen in the past that might be common? Well, I, I know when we're evaluating a roof, we want to get an idea of the age of the roof covering. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes we have that information. We're provided that information by the seller. Sometimes the seller hasn't lived there long enough to even know how old the roof covering is. So okay. it's always a good idea to get an inspector that's experienced enough to be able to give you an idea of how old that roof covering is that way you know when you're going to be replacing it yeah and uh, how much that replacement's going to be so uh, we definitely evaluate the roof covering closely looking for anything that could possibly cause leakage or any areas that are worn uh, any uh, sealant or flashing that i mean because the the, the flashed areas are typically where the homes are going to leak first and that's okay. where we see the biggest uh concern on on most roof is improper flashing improper flashing leads to moisture intrusion and Mm. leads to a lot of uh, damage and unfortunately a lot of flashing is not done properly yeah Um, and then yeah like you said looking at the structure from inside the attic allows us to identify if there's any visible moisture intrusion we can get up there with an infrared camera sometimes especially Mm. after a good rain it's a really good time to have a home inspection (laughs) i always say the best time to inspect the home is during a rain or right after a rain because we can find some uh, hidden moisture yeah Uh, but we will look for damage to the roof sheathing or or sometimes it's just staining Mm. love seeing the staining because staining means that 
it, there's a leak, but it hasn't damaged the, the roof structure yet. Okay. You caught it early enough. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, one question about roofing types. An asphalt roof, I think that's like the most common. It is. How, in, how long in general should that last if someone maintains it? Yeah, so you, you've got a three-tab asphalt composition shingle, and the three-tab shingle, they're, they're kind of the flat, okay. flat shingles. So if you yeah. look at your the roof and you see shingles and they're all just laying flat, yep. uh, that's a three-tab. And typically you're going to get 15 to 20 years out of those, and 15 is is pushing it really Really? i mean it's it's the cheapest type of roof covering okay Uh, Okay. so you don't get too much out of that now uh the other more popular really is the architectural Mm. asphalt composition shingle and you can tell that because it it, it's dimensional okay so it doesn't all just lay flat it looks like one's a little raised over the other and it looks like they're laying on top of each other yeah yeah okay. it's got some dimension to it yeah uh looks a little more stylish you know yeah. uh, and it has has a a, a better aesthetic appeal mm-hmm. uh, but this is a thicker uh shingle tab and it's typically going to last 25 to 30 years oh really yeah oh that's a big yeah. improvement it is it is a big improvement and for not too much more really so mm-hmm. architectural shingles really give you more bang for your buck yeah. when it comes to paying for uh, a roof covering yeah and then and then you have a, a metal roof covering right metal roof coverings are sweet you yeah. can get f- 50 to 70 years out of those if properly maintained <sighs> yeah. 50 years that's yeah, crazy that's right that's right any issues with like the metal roof when they like flash the corners and all that i think that's what you call it yeah. flashing the corners yeah. yeah i mean there are areas that they have to pay particular attention to flashing is always in any roof that's any roof be a, any roof okay. flashing has to be done properly yeah. and if it's not done properly then chances are you're going to experience moisture intrusion at some point yeah um between that and proper fasteners mm. and, and and proper sealing of fasteners you know mm. uh, with metal roofs you you, you want to make sure that they've got that, that there's, a, there's a rubber seal right that they use with the with the screw with, that they put with in the there. fastener yeah, yeah. absolutely and, and that's that's everything so mm. when we're when we're inspecting those uh, metal roofs we're looking for corrosion we're looking for signs of uh, wear uh, we're looking for damage we're looking for poor flashing and then we're looking at all the fasteners uh, and sometimes fasteners are completely missing they just miss fasteners <sighs> good they're, lord they're, there's a little hole there oh where, my where, gosh where the fasteners <laughs> supposed to be but uh yeah. it, it's not there so yeah, we'll yeah, yeah those, those are pretty common finds on yeah. metal roofs what about the angle of the roof? Does that affect like the roof's longevity or it not? It does. It or does. Right? Absolutely. The flatter the roof, the sooner you'll have to replace it. Really? So, oh, because the water doesn't move as quick. That's right. Of it. Oh, that's my right. goodness. Yeah, so a steeper yeah. pitch is going to uh, preserve that roof longer than a, a flatter pitch would. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you take, for example, a three-tab shingle. Mm-hmm. If we're talking anything that's like a four and 12 pitch, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, we're, we're looking at like that. Yeah. Um, you would expect to replace that at about 15 years. Yeah. yeah. Right I mean, much. even, even yeah. 12 to 15 years, you start seeing signs that it's going to need to be replaced. Yeah. Now, if you put it on, say, a 9 and 12. A little bit steeper. Then, then you're probably going to get closer to your 18 years okay. out of it, okay. you know, uh, yeah. between 18 to 20 years. So, yeah, it, it does make a difference, um, the, the, the pitch with the roof what, covering what about the folks that like pressure wash their roofs is that something that you like to see ne- or never no? pressure wash never pressure not wash under it. pressure because you, you don't want to blast that asphalt oh off. man i'm telling you <laughs> uh shingles are bonded with an adhesive strip mm. and uh so so they're nailed at the top mm-hmm. and then they have an ad- adhesive strip at the bottom so it's just a little bit of glue holding that so and once you, you break that bond 
Done. It, 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 it's 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 like the bond of trust. <laughs> once that once that bond is broken, it, yeah. it just doesn't come back easily. Yeah. Uh, and usually you have to replace the shingles. Dang. So if you have somebody up there that's using high pressure, first of all, don't allow it. Yeah. Anybody that rec- is recommending a high pressure treatment on a roof covering does not know what they're doing, mm. and uh, it should be a soft wash. Okay. They have. Um, solutions that they just spray on under very low pressure and uh, the chemical does the work okay usually the only reason that you're doing that is uh, to get rid of the staining on there gliocapsa mag- magmum mm. is a bacterial growth mm. on shingles and uh, it, it's what turns it dark okay, okay? Yeah. Well, i mean sometimes you'll get some sap that kind of resembles yeah. that but you may have uh, a roof that has no surrounding trees and you see all this black growth a lot of people say algae and stuff like that it's actually mm. a bacteria really and there there is soft wash products that you apply and it literally just cleans it wipes off. it right out yeah, yeah. and then, and then it, it's rinsed under low pressure yeah and then you can safely um clean clean your roof covering yeah and restore it back yeah uh, this is great for people that are looking to sell their homes and oh, yeah. want to improve the curb appeal yeah I yeah gotcha. yeah and, and and same thing goes for the siding shouldn't shouldn't be hitting your siding under high pressure either really yeah really soft wash the siding too very interesting yeah Good yeah no absolutely what about uh, the new solar roofs have you had any experience with like the you know the solar shingles you know what i'm talking about now now are we talking solar solar systems or are we talking well, about we got like solar yeah. panels that yeah. sit on top of the yes. roof i'm pretty sure yeah. then there's yeah. like new solar solar shingles yeah. that I, actually are the roof itself i'm pretty yeah. sure we are not i have not seen any of those right yeah. now now i yeah. inspect plenty of uh, solar panels, panels yeah. on roof coverings i can only imagine that's a headache of like we got some holes that shouldn't be there. Or yeah, something. they have to be installed properly, and again, uh, proper in- installation requires the proper fasteners and the proper sealants mm-hmm. to be used. Uh, yeah. and, and as long as that's done, then, then that's fine. And, and the same thing goes for like satellite dishes and things like okay. that. I mean, okay. anytime you're penetrating the roof covering, yeah. the, the proper fasteners and sealants have to be used. And then wherever sealant is used, you have to remember that sealants need to be maintained. They don't mm. last forever. Oh. So uh, when, when they dry up, they shrink, they mm-hmm. crack, and uh, UV takes its toll, oh, yeah. and they have to be reapplied. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Good. I mean, the roof is just one of those things where critical, you know. Absolutely. As soon as you have one little leak, man, it can yeah. cause major yeah. damage. I, I I always say once you get to that halfway to two thirds of its expected service life, mm-hmm. it's not a bad idea to have a roofer come out and do maintenance inspections on your roof covering mm. every couple of years. Yeah. Um, he can check all the sealant, make sure that it's in good shape and yeah. reapply it where it needs to be reapplied. You stay in front of the issues that cause those hidden leaks yeah. that you don't know about. Cause that's the thing about roof leaks. Uh, they, they have their effect over time mm-hmm. and usually it's not a major moisture intrusion where water's flooding in all the time it's just small amounts over time yeah and that up. wood it, it, it's covered it soaks up the the moisture it, mm. there's no sunlight hitting it it's not well ventilated where it's at so it stays wet yeah. for, for a while so even the smallest amount of moisture is going to sit and then over time uh, decay yeah. and then uh, that's that's where the expense is it's not very expensive to apply some sealant and yeah. have somebody come out and do maintenance inspections it is expensive to rip up shingles and replace sections of uh, roof sheathing and uh, truss uh, structural members or rafters and things like that. that's going to be a headache right there. Oh, man, it is. (laughs) It is, and it's expensive. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why we 
offer a five-year roof leak warranty okay. with our home inspections. Yeah. If we look at the roof and we say, hey, it looks good, then uh, we guarantee that it's going to be good for the next five years. And yeah. uh, we uh, provide our clients with protection beyond the transaction with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of on the reverse of that, we have a lot of homes these days going on slabs, but going back to the crawl space, I'm thinking the roof's on top of the house crawl spaces underneath and that seems to be a good area for moisture to get in because moisture just seems to cause the most problems you know right oh yeah what are like major crawl space considerations like when you're inspecting like when you're looking at everything like just common common things that you're yeah i I think regionally in this area moisture intrusion is one of the biggest concerns uh, just into the crawl space in, in, or in, in the house in, in general. In, into the crawl space specifically. Yeah. Uh, moisture can do so many different things. It can have an effect on the foundation. Mm-hmm. It can affect the soil that your foundation sits on, and mm-hmm. it can cause vertical soil settlement. Um, and then, you know, that's when you have a foundation guy coming out quoting you thousands and thousands of dollars for to repairs. To lift that up or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, moisture can create conducive conditions for wood-destroying organisms, mm. termites. Uh, powder post beetles mm. um, these are things that attack the wood but even more destructive i think than termites and powder post beetles is uh, wood destroying fungus oh wood destroying fungus is actually the cause of wood decay so really? anytime you see rotten wood yeah it's not necessarily the water that wa- rotted the wood because you can take a piece of wood yeah and you can throw it out in the water yeah and it can sit in the water all day and it's not going to rot yeah because it's just saturated and so wet mm-hmm. it's not it's so wet that it's not allowing the wood destroying fungus to attack mm-hmm. the wood okay i see what you're saying so that that wood's not going to rot sitting in the water saturated yeah. it only rots whenever the wood moisture content gets above 28 mm-hmm. percent and then the wood destroying fungus gets in there and starts decaying the wood and that's what causes wood rot so um wood destroying fungus is the number one uh, damaging component uh, for uh, structural wood members in this area, and it comes from the the wood moisture content being above twenty eight percent. Wood moisture content over twenty eight percent. So, right. what would like uh, how do, how do you measure that? Like, if you're a homeowner and like you've you've been in your home for like five years, is there a general way to like measure? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you can go to Lowe's or Home Depot. They have okay moisture meters. Yep. Uh, with two little pins on it i think you can pay like 30 30 40 dollars for one yeah it's a great tool to have Mm. and the best time to do it is in the summer when you're running your hvac and it's the most Mm. humid that's when your highest readings are going to be so if you want to find out what your highest readings are get in there in july and august yeah and um, start sticking those meat those pins in uh floor joists and uh floor sheathing Mm -hmm. and see what those numbers are okay and if you see areas where you've got some stuff growing on uh, the wood, then those are good areas to test to see how high that's getting. Now, yeah. you can have growth on that wood around 20%. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and these are t- just your normal molds and mildews and things like that. Yeah. Uh, that's a telltale sign, though. You probably want to change something. Well, I feel yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. You know, anytime you're over 20%, it's too, too, too wet. Okay. Uh, because you can have those growths, and it can also... Uh, come up on like a CL100 report. If you're selling your house mm-hmm. and your wood moisture content is above 20%, it, it's not going to allow you to pass a CL100 report. And a lot mm-hmm. of people need a clear CL100 to get financing for the home. So mm-hmm. it can be a problem. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, a, a good place to be is, you know, below 20% at all, all times throughout the year. Okay. 
and uh, just overall humidity levels in a crawl space like in general what do you like to see those at for ideal conditions I mean, ideal conditions yeah. ideal conditions are going to be the the same around the same humidity levels inside the home okay, okay. Uh, we're not always going to achieve that sometimes you're going to yeah. need help achieving that that's yeah. where dehumidification comes in yeah you can get a rated dehumidifier in a crawl space that helps out a lot with that yeah but uh, you can get a really good idea if you need that just by inspecting the crawl space and seeing if you have those growths going mm-hmm. on now here you won't find a crawl space hardly that doesn't have a little bit of microbial growth on it. It's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. I don't yeah. think that you got to, you know, have some type of knee jerk reaction and think that your house is going to be filled with mold spores if you see it. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to have a, a dehumidification system, mm-hmm. but it is an indication that at some times during the season that you're getting above 28 or uh, 20% at least. Okay. So, you know, something to monitor. I, I'm a big fan of monitoring moisture throughout the year. Mm. I usually don't even recommend any kind of uh, trim technique or any solutions until you've oh. had a chance to monitor over time mm-hmm. to see how how long it stays yeah. wet. It may get above 20%, but it may only be for a month out of the year. Yeah. So I'm not, not going to make a, not I'm a not going to make deal. a corrective recommendation yeah. if if that's the case. Yeah. But now there are homes that have their HVAC ducts underneath the house and they're sweating and condensing mm-hmm. uh, from March all the way until October. Yeah. 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 Uh, those those are the ones that are going to have problems. You're you're going to see yeah. it and and uh, it's going to it's going to come up on a moisture meter and yeah. and those are ideal candidates for uh, dehumidification. I got you. Now uh, with that being said, uh, let's say someone you know, they have maybe a little bit of moisture down there. It's nothing crazy, but they're like, hey, I want to make sure this house is good to go. Would you recommend like full encapsulation and dehumidification or does it depend on the uh, actual situation? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's all situational. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an experienced inspector should be able to go in and identify the cause of the moisture okay all right yeah and, and now you have relative humidity mm-hmm. and we know that that that's what's happening in the air right okay right but you also have other types of moisture intrusion into the crawl space mm. you, um, you you have water that is either going to uh, come in at the foundation or you also have water that's going to rise from the water table like so, in a heavy rain or something? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, water gets in the crawl space two ways from, from entrainment, from the outside. Yep. So, like, you've, you've got water built up around the foundation. It is finding its way through your yeah. foundation and into the crawl space. Yeah. So, say uh, you have an improper grade slope mm. around your home. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, the soil doesn't slope away from the house. It yeah. slopes towards the house. Yeah. So, you've got all this water pouring off of your roof. And then it's hitting the ground and it's going right back into the crawl space. Those are the probably the worst case scenarios that we see. Yeah. And it uh, gets under there. There's no sun. So it's just kind of sitting and it, sometimes it, it maybe the, the ground takes it. And sometimes weeks. It depends. So, so in those situations, you have to improve drainage. Hmm. The first thing I usually recommend when I see something like that mm-hmm. is get some gutters on the house. Hmm. Getting yeah. uh, the, the number one reason that water gets into crawl spaces is the roof watershed 
Okay. Because that roof catches a lot of water, and then it you've got these valleys. Yep. And all the water goes Funnel to the valley, it. and it just pours <laughs> right down next to the house, and then yeah. it can go right into the crawl space. So if you've got a good uh, roof drainage system in the form of gutters and downspouts, you can divert that water away from the home. Yeah. That makes a big, big difference. Yeah. Sometimes that's your most cost-effective way to uh, eliminate moisture intrusion into the crawl space. Yeah. So that's that's probably the number one thing that I usually recommend. Okay. Uh, the other thing would be uh, things like uh, improved drainage. And I know you are, <laughs> you, you made yourself an expert on this, man. I mean, this place Eric was, was excited with the, my French the, drains. <laughs> this place was a pond, all right? And I, I think that in, in the name, of, this is Pond Taylor Pond Road. Taylor Pond Road. Yeah, yeah no, this, this was uh, legit a pond, yeah, man. We're out in the middle was, of the swamp, basically, yeah, you know? Yeah, so I know that you did a lot of drainage work and you know. Yeah if properly done how successful that can oh, be oh yeah it's i nice. mean you really dried it up and yeah. uh you, you made our mosquito uh work <laughs> a, a lot easier i i, I didn't the first have time to, you ever came out I, I spent i spent a fortune in larvicide i mean i i, I walked away and i was like man i i i undercharged I, him. I, I am i am now paying him <laughs> Now, I remember whenever I was digging the trenches, Eric was coming out, who's, uh, for the listener, Eric's uh, Bob's brother and his pest control, one of his pest yeah, control his service guys. manager. Yeah. But uh, he came out, and uh, he's like, man, what are you doing out here, Chad? I was like, I'm doing some French drains. He's like, oh, that's freaking cool. And yeah. I guess you guys had done some French drains in the past, and so we yep. were talking about it. And then several months later, probably a year later, was when I actually finished them. He's like, you're taking forever to get these yeah. things done. But yeah. when it, they were finally done, he was like, this thing's so dry out here, man. It's so nice. Yeah, it's not the easiest work yeah. by no means. But when it's done right, it is a oh, very yeah. effective solution. So you can apply those same techniques that you did um, around the home mm -hmm. to uh, divert uh, water entrainment from the outside yeah. uh, that way. But now when you have... When you're close to the water table like we are mm. in so many areas uh, you get a lot of rain that water table rises then your water's coming from the water table underground and there's no amount of drainage there's no right. gutters that are going to stop that from happening right that's when you have to usually install a sump sump pump sump pump it pit out. a sump pump inside that pit mm -hmm. a basin and then um, some drainage inside the crawl space. Now, the mistake a lot of homeowners make is they think, well, this is the lowest part of the crawl space. I'm just going to dig a pit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put a basin in and a pump, and then I'm going to pump water out. And, and, and they're pumping water out, and they're like, okay, it's yeah. doing its job. Yeah. Only thing is, is it's not communicating to the other side. Yeah. So you've got uh, water that's standing over there. The pump is going, and it's getting water out over on this side, but you still have water standing on the other side. Yep. So you, you need to have a, you grade it. a, a, a drainage system. Okay. A full system. Same thing what you did, just yeah. on a smaller level, smaller pipes. Yeah. Uh, you, you you dig your trenches, you slope the trenches towards mm -hmm. your pit. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I, I prefer to see uh, what we call spider drainage. Okay. So you have a perimeter drain, okay. but then you also have crisscrossing pattern in the middle. Okay. That way you're, you're collecting throughout the crawl space. Yeah. Really, really effective means yeah. of uh, keeping standing water out of the crawl space when you are experiencing those water table intrusions. Yeah. So if you're like really close to the water table and you're seeing it all the time, that's when you're like, I probably need a sump, Absolutely. sump system. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, average sump system, probably going to be about five, $6,000. Yeah. But um, as a homeowner, well worth the investment it's better exactly. to spend that money than to pay your foundation guy uh you know fifteen twenty thousand yeah. dollars well yeah. then i'm thinking if even if you pay the foundation guy 20 20 grand 15 grand 
to fix whatever, but you don't fix the water problem. You're just talking about a reoccurring expense every so often, yeah. another 15 grand here, That's another right. 15 it grand there. It doesn't make sense. Right. You know, <laughs> you know eliminate the cause. It, that, yeah. that would be like repairing termite damage and not getting rid of the termites. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. Well, it's interesting to hear you talk about termites and the, uh, what is it called, the, the beetles? Uh, powder post beetles. Powder post beetles. Yes. Versus yeah. the fungi yep. that affects the uh, crawl space. So they're, what's the difference between the termite and the powder post beetle? Well, they're all wood-destroying organisms, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, wood-destroying fungi, mm-hmm. subterranean termites, and powder post beetles are all wood-destroying organisms. The difference between powder post beetles and termites, uh, termites... Um, are, are feeding on the wood mm. okay they're attacking the wood to get the cellulose cellulose is what they pull out of the wood for nutrients okay and they they, they come out of the ground they live in the ground they come out of the ground oh really yeah they get <laughs> they get a, a a gut full of cellulose and then yeah. they go back down and it's just a an assembly line uh, going up and down into the house yeah um, because they can't live above ground they need the moisture of the soil really or they die yeah if you hold termites in your hand out exposed to the air and the sunlight they'll be dead in about 15 minutes what they're soft body no they dry way. out i yeah, did not yeah. know that so when, when they come out of the ground yeah they create a, a shelter tube oh and they build it out of soil uh fecal oh. matter and saliva essentially so their it's, own it's, saliva or they grab theirs something? theirs yeah. okay, and, okay and so it's so it's it's a really firm structure okay mm. it's not like just taking soil and putting it up there i mean it gets it's hard yeah you know it's almost like a mortar a mud mortar <laughs> that they crazy, did bro. yeah yeah absolutely and and then they'll travel inside these tunnels and, and that allows them to come out of the ground oh. and feed and come back into the ground without getting dried out no and way. it also protects them from predators that's crazy biology and behavior <laughs> of termites is awesome yeah. all right yeah yeah so uh so that's how they operate mm-hmm Powder post beetles are different. They um, they they feed on cellulose mm. during their larval period, mm. um, and, and that's the only time that they really affect the wood. Okay. So you've got a beetle that comes, they lay the egg, um, the egg will hatch out, the yeah. larva will burrow into the wood, mm. and then it, it'll do its work in the wood, and then they go through a metamorphosis um, from you know larva. larva pupa adult and yeah. then the adult will emerge from the wood and, the, and when they emerge from the wood they create holes these yeah. uh, emergent holes and so anytime you see wood that looks like it's been shot with a little shotgun yeah. little tiny holes in it those are powder post beetles you really? can tell if they're active mm. because they're all the the larvae are always kicking out oh. this sawdust but oh. it's really really fine sawdust yeah. so uh it, it it's um that's how it looks like a powder yeah and that's how they get the name powder post beetle that is crazy yeah, yeah. um now powder post beetles they don't do damage quickly mm. this is damage that's done over time usually the worst cases we see have had powder post beetles for 40 or 50 years oh really okay. so they're okay. not like termites they're not yeah. as destructive as termites um certainly not as destructive as wood destroying organism like uh wood destroying fungi right um so yeah um uh, and, and it's something that can be prevented mm. because they prefer that wood to be higher than 15% in wood moisture content. Oh, okay. So it goes back to wood moisture content. Yeah, yeah. High wood moisture content is conducive to wood destroying, uh, wood destroying organism infestation. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then you've got Formosan termites. Formosan termites are in our area. They are an imported species. Mm. They are not domestic so to they got the United somehow. States. Well, we brought them in on railroad ties oh. from Hawaii back oh. in the 1940s. Good Lord. <laughs> they brought them into the Louisiana ports. 
And since then, they've moved into 11 southeastern states, and we are one of them. This is a, they are the most destructive species in the world. Really? For most, in, well, a comparison, like our eastern subterranean termites, they can grow a colony up to about a quarter million in number, mm. and they'll eat about seven pounds of wood a year, <laughs> a, 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 a mature colony. Yeah. For most in termite colonies can grow up to 10 million in number. What the And heck? they can consume a thousand pounds of wood in oh one year. Oh my gosh, a thousand pounds, dude. The most destructive species on the planet. <sighs> and and they are here. Holy so, uh, they live underground too? Same kind of process? They, they live underground. They are subterranean, but they have a unique feature mm. that's separate from our eastern subterranean termites. Yeah. They can they can create an aerial infestation which means that they can live above ground all they need oh, wow. is a source of moisture so mm. if you have a roof leak if you have a plumbing leak yeah if you have moisture intrusion at, at, through your siding uh and there's some wet wood they and they find that wet wood mm. then they say okay let's bring they, they start constructing what's known as a carton nest good night and they build this carton nest very similar to the shelter tube material yeah They're, it's the same thing shelter tube material but they build this carton nest yeah and then they live inside that nest and just feed on the house right there, there there's no more going up and down into oh, the ground okay. they live in that carton nest and the bad thing about an aerial infestation is the treatment that you do for subterranean termites has no effect on them. Oh my gosh. Because they're not they're, going they're back above. into the ground. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So yeah. they, they will, they will survive a subterranean termite pest control, uh, treatment and, a, and subterranean, uh, termite pest control, uh, protection once they yeah. eat all that wood where that nest is do they make a new nest elsewhere well they, they just continue to branch they out. just branch out they just okay. continue, they continue just to expand. branch out yeah. yeah and and so what what we typically see is just i mean ground zero is just destroyed and then it just keeps getting worse and worse over time Good as they Lord. go away from it yeah what are telltale signs of like when you're inspecting if they're up in a wall are you like looking i don't know how you could find how do you how do you see that that's the bad thing oh gosh you can't really you can't find them now i've found them with infrared cameras sometimes okay. they'll put off a signature that you can see yeah. through infrared so infrared is a an, an advantage but yeah. and, and it, it comes in handy having some infrared yeah but it may take some time uh <laughs> before you can even uh, to recognize that yeah uh, so yeah, yeah aerial infestations You'll see that um, termite companies won't, that they'll have an exclusion on their termite bond that they, they oh don't cover God. aerial infestations. Really? Yeah. So I guess the best way is like establish a uh, routine termite treatment, you know, and then that would yeah. prevent them from getting there in the first place, correct? Household maintenance, making sure you don't have leaks yeah. is the number one thing. Yeah. They okay. can't survive above the ground without that moisture. So mm -hmm. as long as you're maintaining your home and you don't have these leaks going on, they're not going to have a place to set up an aerial infestation. I got you. And then also having a good subterranean termite protection before they move in right. is good because you can get them yeah. in the ground yeah. before they move up exactly. and make an aerial infestation. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. household maintenance and a good uh, subterranean termite protection usually does the trick. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like the number one killer of a house and a homeowner because it's going to be expensive to fix is moisture overall. It is. It's the number one uh enemy of the home yeah 100 percent. there there is there's no bigger uh damaging issue than mm. moisture intrusion yeah jumping over to uh hvac systems real quick yeah what are common issues that you see with those when you're inspecting them or like so, most common stuff so uh, there, there there's a there's a lot with hvac systems i mean first 
we go in, we want to see how old they are, um, when you can expect to replace it. So typically uh, between 10 and 12 years is okay. what you're going to get out of most HVAC units. And that's the outdoor compressor and that's the indoor air handler and evaporator coils, both. Mm. So uh, anything that's upwards around that 10 to 15 years, we're going to call that out as something that's approaching the end of its service life. Mm. And the homeowner needs to be prepared to uh, replace those units yeah. at, at, uh, in the near future. Uh, a lot of times with older components like that, it's a good idea to maybe have the seller uh, set you up with a, uh, mm. home, uh, a, a, a home warranty or yeah. something like that that you. would help you if something goes wrong there. Yeah. But things that we are looking at is, are, is the operation. We'll, we'll test the temperatures. We're looking for uh, a, a, a delta T, mm. the difference, the temperature, uh, temperature difference between the return air and the supply air. We okay. want that to be at least 14 degrees. Mm. And if it's not less than four, if it's not uh, more than 14 degree difference between your return air and your supply air, then that's a good indication that something's not working right. Okay. And that you, uh, the the unit should be looked at. So uh, we focus a lot on that that temperature. We also want to yeah. make sure that you're getting good airflow. Yeah. And we're going to look at the system design. Now, on pre-drywall, is a real good time to look at the system design mm. because you can see the whole uh, supply system. And mm. you can see if there's any bellies or if there's any unwanted turns mm. and curves because every bend in the ductwork creates friction loss. So every bend is going to keep that air from um, making its way to the vent. Yeah. It slows it down. Okay. And anytime that airflow slows down it's going to heat up oh. and so it's going to be less efficient okay. so we're, we're looking for ducts to be completely stretched out as much as possible without as many bends as possible so yeah. like crawl space homes usually have the duct underground or in the crawl space a I'm lot of them sure. do the Absolutely. slab homes is it in the attic it's in the attic it's in the attic it, uh, it comes yeah, down the yeah, wall yeah. typically uh, uh, yeah they, okay. they do or just, just through the ceiling out, out the ceiling okay through the ceiling sometimes they'll have runs inside the walls uh with returns and things like that going yeah. back up to the uh, air handler, you know, because you, you've got to have air coming out yeah. of the system and then you got to have air returning back to the system. Yeah. So that's another thing, you know, we always check to make sure that the return air is sufficient yeah. to move move it through the home because we've I've, I've seen plenty of homes that have an adequately sized unit, but they're like, it, it stays hot in here. Mm. And, and they've got two vents blowing cold air but it yeah. just stays hot it's because that air is just staying trapped and it's not uh, cycling back through okay so a lot of times you have to install another return vent and that's all it takes man and okay. all of a sudden that room is as cool as a go. fan yeah. yeah yeah um what's the you know you said about 10 years 10 to 12 years for an hvac system and, and, and on average on right? average and, yeah. and now i inspect homes all the time where the yeah. unit is upwards around 20 years okay you know maybe they've replaced some components along the way and they've limped this thing along and yeah. that, that that's fine it happens yeah uh, but on average 10 to 12 years is that is, is that uh typical of average expected life let's say you got to replace that puppy is that like you're replacing the ductwork too in general or is it not just necessarily the, okay. uh, usually you can replace the unit without replacing the ductwork mm -hmm. maybe once mm. i think after that it's a good idea to replace the ductwork just because after 20 years yeah the hvac units become way more efficient oh and uh, oh because technology is yeah, that what you're saying yeah, yeah. they just keep Evolving. improving the efficiency yeah. and then you've got ducts that are not 
efficient as efficient yeah <laughs> so you you may have an efficient unit and you don't you have inefficient ducks yeah and and yeah after about 20 years those those ducks need to be replaced yeah yeah, yeah i got you good they, to they, they get they get pretty cruddy pretty yucky <laughs> too yeah any major uh plumbing things you find like for the homeowner when yeah. they're thinking yeah. about their plumbing well system. We're, we're always looking for uh pressure water pressure is big mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of home, homeowners want that good water pressure you, oh, know? Yeah. you want enough water pressure to come through your shower heads you know oh, yeah. you want enough water pressure to wash your dishes yeah uh, so we, we always check that to make sure that the pressures are adequate and and not too much mm. uh, average home you want to be between 40 psi and 80 psi okay anything below 40 psi is uh not enough not enough anything above 80 psi is too much and could damage your uh plumbing oh dang uh, your, your pipes and, and, really? and, and your fixtures and things like that so okay it's important to know the pressures there yeah uh, and we're, we're looking for uh leaks obviously moisture yep being Back to the, the moisture. number one <laughs> da- number one enemy of the home yeah and plumbing is piping a lot of moisture mm. into the home and out of the home does it so, sweat too i'm imagining like the pvc will it, that it, sweat it, it, it can uh typically you, you want it insulated in areas where it needs to be insulated, but mm. uh, you know pressurized lines. Uh, you you want them insulated in your attic. Mm. Uh, I, I, after a <laughs> after a bomb cyclone, uh, you a lot of people learned that uh, their their plumbing lines needed to be insulated in yeah. their attic. Um, and so yeah, things need to be insulated properly. They need to be installed properly. We're looking at the fittings. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at the pipes. We're looking for any sign of leaks. We're looking at plumbing for that may be aged mm. uh, copper plumbing lines mm. one, uh, typically you're going to get 50 to 70 years out of copper lines okay. but sometimes conditions will reduce that and you start getting pinholes in, oh, in copper and and the thing about copper that starts getting pinholes in it we make a recommendation to replace it because you start chasing these pinholes you mm. repair one and another one pops up you repair one this is and just another wearing one pops down up. is that it what's is. happening yeah okay. yeah the it's just e- eating <laughs> through and uh nothing lasts forever yeah. <laughs> and uh the copper is a really good product but yeah. uh so so yeah we make recommendations when we feel like the plumbing supply lines in the home mm-hmm. are approaching the end we want to let our clients know that because it is an expensive replacement for mm-hmm. uh branch plumbing lines and that's yeah. that's something you want to know before you uh, purchase a home yeah I remember the homes you inspected for me. You had all faucets, all bathtubs, all everything running. You had everything on your walk right. around everywhere. You're yeah. like, if something's going on here, I'm finding it. You yeah, know? So, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you can't just turn on a sink, check underneath it, see if it's leaking. We, we want to put things to the test. Yeah. So whenever I enter a home, I turn on every electrical component and I keep them on. Yeah. I, we run the water for a substantial period of time. We're going to yeah. do multiple toilet flushes. Mm. We want to, if there's blockage in that drain line, mm-hmm. sometimes it takes a little while for that blockage mm. to fill up the line and back up oh. into the home. Okay. You may have a, a blockage 200 feet down. <sighs> and so you got to fill that pipe up. So, yeah. yeah uh, and, and, and then you want to give everything kind of a stress test. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So that you can look for those leaks sometimes uh, under a sink won't leak when the water's just flowing but mm. when you fill the sink up oh yeah oh, and yeah. then you open it up and you let all that go and then all of a sudden you're like oh there's a leak yeah so yeah. it's it's Dang. more more to That's it than, than just running water and looking you know yeah. you you, you want to put things to the test as much as possible yeah and uh see see if anything fails under testing yeah good to go 
PVC. You talked about copper, but you know, is there things about PVC? Like, I, you know, how they have this PVC cement? Does that wear down yeah. over time, just yeah. like any adhesive, or is it, it pretty it, good? It, it's usually pretty good yeah. because it, it, unless it's out just exposed to UV, yeah, it's probably going to be pretty good yeah. for, for the duration. Now, keep in mind your PVC lines; mm-hmm. they are not under pressure. Mm, your PVC okay. lines are drainage, okay. so they're okay. they're just passively flowing. So what we're looking for on PVC is to make sure that it's sloped properly. Okay. Yeah. If it's if it's not properly sloped, you're going to have solids that are going to kind of just <laughs> hang out. You know, the you solids the, will be having a you, good time. You, yeah, you want those solids to move on downstream. You know. Yeah. So uh, it definitely needs to be properly sloped. Yeah. Um, we we don't want too much of a slope. But at the mm. same time, we don't want, uh, you know, we, we won't, you, you want about a foot drop every 10 foot. Okay. Is, is, a, is a good rule of thumb. But yeah. you can visibly just look at it and you'll see, yeah, yeah it's going downhill. Yeah. And, and anywhere that it's not, then we're going to call that out. Yeah. But uh, the, it does leak at the joints. Yeah. And, and so we're always looking for those leaks because that's not a great leak to have mm-hmm. it is going to create unsanitary conditions in your mm-hmm. crawl space oh yeah and uh especially if it's a toilet drainage oh yeah you might yeah. have a little solid in there yeah, you know what i'm saying right. <laughs> that's right yeah man uh someone will like that some kind of bug will like that or or fungus or something you know <laughs> something always likes that yes and it's never good never yeah. good so uh you know it's a it's a crappy situation yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> well a uh, funny story i was listening to someone uh they were telling a story about their plumbing and i guess a tree root had gotten into their plumbing because you know how the roots will find water that's right and it went all the way up and grew into their toilet and was growing into their house nothing nothing like that (laughs) have you seen anything like that before i have seen that before really yeah yeah nothing like a little little tickle tickle in the morning (laughs) you know to get your attention (laughs) wake you up one day man <laughs> so they just you're, the root just finds yeah, like a crack you're, you're, and they're you're just like, go. is that biological or is that alien? <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah, and some some of these growths that yeah. come through there, they do look rather alien. Oh yeah, but yeah, that is a real thing. I'm, and uh, root intrusion to the drain waistline or the sewer line, the main sewer line, it's a big concern when we're looking at the property. When we're seeing. A lot of tree roots oh. in between. Yeah. We're going to make a recommendation to have that line scoped. Um, oh. That uh, that would be like uh, having a, a plumber. I usually recommend a plumber come out. I have yeah. a, I have a scope oh, camera, yeah. and I started doing it, <laughs> and I found out really quick that I don't like doing it <laughs> because your scope camera gets pretty nasty, <laughs> and it's not it's not a really great time yeah. at all and so i i quickly learned that yeah. i'm going to go ahead and just uh, recommend, recommend the plumber, plumber. And, and, and besides home inspectors we're generalists yeah we we know we we have a good amount of information about all the systems and components of the home and we mm-hmm. have to but when it comes down to it and we see something we're going to flag it and then we're going to tell the homeowner hey let's get a licensed contractor in this specific field to come out and evaluate it and and then make their recommendation for repairs yeah Uh, because you know we're we're not plumbers we don't do the work we're not going to be able to necessarily price it out accurately for Mm -hmm. them and uh and and then getting a plumber to scope the line you know he he they do it all the time i think that they're better suited to give an evaluation on that they're used to the solids in the lines too You know, yeah, they work with it every day. That's right. That's right. That's it's part of the job description. He gets up in the morning knowing he's got to deal with that. 
Well, one thing I was learning when I was doing my French drains is uh, if you don't get that slope right, the roots will find the drains. It'll clog up your French drain. So I was very particular, you know, I'm like very particular about that stuff, but like making sure that slope was perfect so that no That's water right. be staying that there. That is you know? exactly right. So if you're Same trying to do them yourself, you got to watch out for that. Any any you know? passive draining system mm-hmm. has to be sloped properly, just like the gutters too. Mm. Uh, gutters that aren't sloped properly, they're going to hold water <laughs> oh, yeah. and they become a big breeding ground for mosquitoes yeah so <laughs> that'll be a good yeah, time yeah like, where are these mosquitoes coming from you know people are on their back deck no water on site and they're just getting tore up by mosquitoes because <sighs> the gutter right Look up, up there. there oh my it's gosh slope this way instead of this way you got water oh. sitting there for a few days after every rain yeah uh, and and people that don't clean their gutters too it can be slow mm-hmm. properly but if it's full of crud yeah it's holding water yeah absolutely good to go i mean uh so then the other big item would be the electrical system so with the electrical system, what are common things you see there? Uh, starting at the panel, uh, you know, we pull the panel, mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at the breakers and we're looking at the wiring and we're making sure that the proper circuit breakers are protecting uh, the, the right size of wire. So a lot of times we'll see that uh, they don't have the right size breaker for oh. the right size of wire. Mm. Uh, so we're always looking for oversized and undersized uh, breakers mm-hmm. for the wire, uh, the, the circuitry. We're looking, a lot of times the panel's not properly bonded or properly configured. Mm. Uh, there, there's a very specific way that things have to be put together. And the main thing is, is if, if there is a, a, a ground fault or if there is an arc or if there's any surge, the electric has to get to the ground. And it's going to take the path of least resistance. Mm. And if it's not properly bonded and grounded in certain areas, then there may be more than one path. Mm. And that confuses the electricity. And then that's when problems can really happen, uh, electrical fires, shock hazards, and things like that. So we want to make sure that uh, the electricity has the right path to the ground uh, for safety and and to preserve household appliances and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, we go through, we flip all the switches. We actually test all the receptacles and we test the voltage at those receptacles to make sure that you got good mm. electrical continuity through the house. Yeah. Again, we load up the electrical system. We take the infrared camera out mm-hmm. and we look for any hot spots, mm. any areas that might uh, be ex- experiencing uh, an electrical issue. It's going to heat up. You know, mm. you, you've got that resistance going on with the electrical, and, and it, that's it a potential for a fire. Up. We're looking for right. a hot spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a fire hazard. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we're looking to make sure that the home has adequate protection with regard to arc fault circuit interrupters and uh, ground fault circuit interrupters these are things that are modern safety uh, fire safety mm. uh, uh, additions yeah. that code has put built in mm-hmm. um, arc fault circuit interrupters have reduced electrical home fires by 80 percent oh wow so nice. having afcis and gfcis properly placed in the home as uh is a huge benefit yeah Yeah. so if you have an older home yeah it's a good idea to upgrade and and it's real easy to do that you can do it in the electric panel electric panel you don't have to have the 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 plugs that have the little buttons on them yeah you can do it that way or you can go into the electrical panel and replace your breakers with afci and gfci breakers and then your whole circuit is protected so if there's an arc fault anywhere in your bedroom circuits it just flips that Yeah. yeah shuts it off save, then good. saves you save, it, 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 it saved a lot of lives man yeah. i can tell you that in a lot of property yeah now when that happens you know how people like go to their circuit breaker just flip it back yep. and they'll walk back and it'll right. happen again and they're like come on now you know like call, what's generally call, going call on an there? electrician 
call is an electrician. Wrong with the there, there, there's a repeated arc fault happening, or you may be overloading the circuit, oh. and then that that could be causing an issue too. Now, if you're overloading the circuit, maybe something that you're doing, you may need to move something. You've got too many uh, things plugged into one circuit. Yeah. You may need to move that to another circuit. Yeah. Uh, so something's definitely going on. Don't ignore that yeah. ever. I mean, that's a life safety issue right there. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's protecting you by mm -hmm. tripping, mm -hmm. and it gets annoying. But <laughs> yeah, there, there's got to be a reason, yeah. and, and you you want to determine yeah. what that reason is. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like you know, I know I was younger before. I was I had a rental home, and that's happening. I'm like, come on, man, yeah. stay. Yeah. And like nowadays, I'm like, dude, if that was happening, that's a red flag, you know, overloading something or there's an electrical now, now, problem. These AFCIs and GFCIs, they they do go bad too, mm. and so you may have just a failing oh. uh, device that needs to be replaced. Yeah. 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 And, and you need to test those. Okay. You need to hit the trip button and test them once a month. Once a month. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Once a month and. You know, if you hit the button and it doesn't trip, you're, you don't have the protection that you need and you need mm -hmm. to replace it. Replace it. And now sometimes you'll go through and you'll hit it and there'll be a poof and mm -hmm. it, it, like a, a a spark flash. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of smoke. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, as a home inspector, it's, it, it's the modern day version of the jack-in-the-box you remember i don't know if you're a kid yep. the jack-in-the-box yeah you know it's coming yep. you know it's coming and then when it pops out it still scares you yeah same thing i'll hit these things and i'm like you know maybe one out of every hundred i do i'm like i'm yeah. due for one of these and every time it pops i'm like Pop! you know jump back it's uh it's funny it's an yeah. ongoing joke in the uh home, home inspector, inspector world community. yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> good one um good to go man what other uh uh electrical things that's like the main main electrical stuff yeah you know wiring uh overcurrent protection uh that that's the number one thing just yeah. just to make sure that everything is uh configured properly wired yeah. properly yeah electrical yeah. scares me man you know how people diy stuff i ain't doing do you know diy i uh, don't recommend <laughs> it man in fact those are the uh, you can always tell when harry homeowner gets involved <laughs> <laughs> things aren't done right and 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 that's that's when the the home inspection oh, yeah. report starts to get longer and longer and longer yeah yeah the seller's like yeah i did this i did that i did oh, i did this no. upgrade that i built oh, this whole room right oh, here oh no <laughs> uh, that's when you look at your watch and you're like call the next appointment yeah yeah we're yeah. gonna be late yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> before we jump to uh pre-drywall inspection do you want to talk real quick about those with wells and septic tanks are there yeah. special considerations well, for those um always get a, a water test you want to test for uh bacterias and things like that in the well yeah uh, before you purchase um there are well, well specialists that will come out and do a more in-depth mm. uh, inspection of it i usually recommend that because as a home inspector again we're generalists i'm going to look at the equipment yeah we're going to see if there's any unsafe uh, issues. We're going to evaluate it under operation. We're going to check the pressure gauges. We're going to look at the pressure tanks mm -hmm. and uh, the, the pump system and, and just see if there's anything physically, visibly wrong with it. Yeah. Um, but a well specialist can get much more detailed than that. But I do recommend getting the water test on that. Yeah. Uh, of course, we're going to run the water mm -hmm. um hydrogen sulfide is a thing that's that rotten egg smell that yep. a lot of wells have and then you, you may require some extra type of filtration mm -hmm. to eliminate that from the the well and that can be an expense that can be unexpected yeah. for some so you know we're always want to identify that during a home inspection uh, um, as far as septic goes um get get a pro 
get yeah. a pro to come out, have them open up that septic tank, mm-hmm. see 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 what's going on, make sure everything's okay. Because again, that's something that I won't do. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I I can Those find solids. it. I Those can solids. open it. But man, <laughs> other than that, um, yeah, uh, I, I say get a, a, a septic company to come out see how full that thing is mm-hmm. see if you're going to need to get it cleaned out because mm-hmm. that's one thing you don't want is you don't want a full septic yeah uh, or something that's just clogged up and backed up because that's going to be an expense another yeah. unexpected expense these are things that you can do just to uh, protect yourself and make sure that uh, you're not walking into any surprises yeah yeah. Now, a septic tank feeds to a septic field, if I'm not mistaken, uh-huh. so it's slowly you, you, uh, moving things got out. Got a leach field. Right. That's, that's why the, the ground has to be tested before, you know, if, if you're buying yeah. raw land or if you're installing a septic system. Mm-hmm. you got to test the ground. you got to yeah. make sure that it's going to perk. Yeah. And uh, if, if not, then you may be looking at an engineered septic system yeah and if you've got an engineered septic system i mean you're scratching a check for 20 25 grand yep yeah so no biggie oh yeah (laughs) honey check the cracks of the couch see if we've got that there (laughs) but then the septic tank like even if you have a leach field and it's pumping stuff out you still need it pumped every so often right Uh, yeah that depends on the tank size and all that uh now you you want to minimize what you're putting in there you want to make sure that what is put in there can can be reduced naturally uh maintenance with like uh you know the the microbial products like a ridex or something like that getting that in there is going to help keep your solids chomped down yeah uh but if you're putting paper towels and and stuff down there that's not going anywhere that's just going to sit in there and fill fill things up yeah and then you're going to be cleaning it out uh more frequently yeah 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 good to go Hot water heater? Yeah, yeah, the hot water heater. Now, most of the time we refer to it as a water heater, okay? Mm. Yeah, because it's not a cold water cooler. It's it's funny because um, there's a meme out there that's passed around the uh, uh, home inspection circles. Oh, yeah. And it shows a a water heater. Yeah. And it's just a water heater. And then it says hot water heater, and it's a water heater in a bikini. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, I love that. But uh, your your water heater, um, it you know typically around a thousand fifteen hundred dollars to replace. Mm-hmm. You're going to get again ten to fifteen years out of a water heater. Mm. You're looking for uh, typically leaks around the plumbing there. You want to make sure that it's got a pressure tank on it. You want to make sure that it's got seismic straps on it. You want to make sure that your TPRs, so the temper, temperature pressure relief. Um, is properly routed because if that thing gets superheated and pressurized, it's got a pop-off valve yep. so that it goes out there. They, they came up with these back when um, water heaters were coming be- becoming uh, missiles. Oh, gosh. These water heaters <laughs> didn't have any type of uh, pressure relief, and it would build up and then just blow out at the bottom, shoot through Good the roof. Good Lord, man. dude. I mean, Could you imagine, bro? Oh, I, I can only imagine. I've never seen it, but my goodness. Yeah. Would that be an event, you know? Uh, un- un- unbelievable. So, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the TPR valve, um, we don't test them just because uh, a lot of times on older units, you, you, when you test it, yeah. and it, it doesn't stop leaking mm. so one, one thing <laughs> about right. a home inspector is everybody looks to you to give them all of the information but they also look to you when something goes wrong exactly they're like exactly. hey you did this <laughs> you need to pay for this so there are some things that we don't do like yeah. if the if the gas is off 
we don't go igniting um, pilot lights. Mm. Um, it's just a, a safety thing. Uh, yeah. We're going to make sure that the homeowner or gas company comes out and they, they ignite the mm. uh, appliances. So, you know, that's one thing to consider when you're having a home inspection. Make sure all the utilities are on. Make sure it's prepped for make, the inspection. Yeah, make sure that the inspector can get in the crawl space. Mm -hmm. Make sure he has access to your water heater. Make sure he has access to your electric panel. Because if any, uh, Make sure he has access to the attic. If any of these areas are obstructed and we're not able to get there, the buyer's still going to want to have that inspected. Oh, yeah. But it's going to require a separate trip. Oh, yeah. And separate trips aren't Cost free. money. Exactly. Yeah. Time so is money. A lot of times, you as the seller are going to be responsible to yeah. pay that because you didn't have your home prepared properly. Mm. Yeah good to go yeah now they have uh the tankless water heaters yep tankless hot water heaters right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's the differences there well the tankless well, the tankless just runs the water through it, and it's it, heating heats it, up. it heats it as it runs through yeah there's a lot of coil action going on there kind of yeah. like a kind of like our colon you know yeah. oh, there's yeah. a lot of lot packed in there and as it's passing through it's getting heated these are really great products. I yeah. mean, uh, especially for people that like to take long, hot showers, you know. <laughs> Continuous uh, hot water. But the water, hot water never ends, man. Yeah. <laughs> Nonstop party. I love I Those love are them. usually mounted outside, they right? They are. They are. Uh, a lot of, well, I mean, some of them are mounted inside, and okay. there's no problem with that as long as the exhaust, if it's a gas-fired unit, the yeah. exhaust has to go to the outside. Yeah. Uh, units that are on the inside tend to hold up a little bit better and longer. They're not exposed to the elements, yeah. but they can be mounted outside. Uh, they... They do have gas-fired units, and they also have electric units as well. Yeah. And uh, those electric they, they units do, are going to ramp up your electricity, though. They, they depending will. Depending on how much they, they heat will. you're using. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. they have to be sized properly. I've seen some electric units be installed in a home. They're not sized properly, and they mm -hmm. only will heat one sink or oh, bathtub at a time. Dang. So if you've got somebody taking a shower and somebody using the sink, yeah. one person's going to get all the hot water, <laughs> the other person's going to be SOL, you know? Person in the yeah. shower is going to be pissed. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the ultimate way to yeah. start somebody's day off, right? You know, just turn on the hot water. It's, it's kind of like back whenever you used to flush a toilet and the, oh, yeah. the hot water goes away on somebody, it turns cold, yeah. Well, yeah. quick story, when I was in the Navy talking about flushing toilets, you know, we're on a ship. Ben knows this story. Uh-huh. All the... <laughs> and, and the and the uh, what we call the head on the ship, you know, where all the bathrooms are. Yeah. Toilet, toilet, toilet. Right. Mm -hmm. You're sitting on a toilet. The way the plumbing's designed, it's not like a house. So if someone flushes, there's like some back pressure. Yes. So of course the solids kind of launch a little bit. Oh, you know boy. what I'm saying? So oh, I built muscle memory of like if someone next to me flushed a toilet, I was jumping oh. up to avoid yes. getting smashed oh, man. in the rear. You know what I'm saying? I yes. have that muscle memory to this day. Literally, <laughs> I'll be like. In a public bathroom place. somewhere, yeah. someone flushes, I'm standing yeah. up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right, right, yeah. Ben makes fun of me all the time for it. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that, that is a, that is what a habit developed uh, over time. And well, you learn like the hard, hard way break. sometimes, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You get <laughs> smashed in the in the rear yes. a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you paid a tuition for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was talking to someone about wa hot water heaters water heaters right water heaters and uh because i was trying to figure out like hey is a tankless better than a tank and uh obviously it depends on the setup because sometimes you just need a bigger tank because like the the tankless one will pull more electricity so it'll cost you more in the long run yeah or if you have gas i think it's more cost effective i think so but i do know some people that like during the the recent freeze temperatures they had their hot water heat their water heaters outside yeah the tankless ones and then the pipe busted on it 
you know, because they're, they're yeah. froze and it wasn't ready for that. That's and right. So then they're without hot water for days. That's, that's right. I, you know? I, I saw a lot of videos on Facebook yeah. of people with... <laughs> Air, hair dryers thawing oh. them out thawing them out yeah man i need that hot yeah. water <laughs> telling you, you wouldn't you, you just insulate the pipe well e- even during those temperatures that we had the insulation wasn't enough oh really uh, the, the cold weather got through the insulation because we had extended yeah periods of time where we were below freezing yeah i mean like we, 15, we, we got down degrees. into the teens yeah yeah, yeah. And, and we don't see those temperatures very often so we are uh, woefully un- unprepared yeah for events like that mm-hmm. here here in the low country yeah yeah so if you're if your water heater tankless is inside you're probably good to go from that but if it's outside that's something that's you right. got to think yeah. about yeah. um even even uh ones that are mounted up in attic spaces oh. experienced uh freezing yeah because there's yeah. no insulation up that's there right. or anything yeah yeah talking about insulation in the attic and not to sidetrack too long but uh is that a benefit for the house insulation in the attic is huge for energy efficiency in the home to, to insulate up against the roofing panel well, or the you know I, what i'm talking about you, you can if, if you do spray foam insulation yeah and where you you are insulating your essentially your roof i'm not a huge fan of it okay because yeah, then you, you can't get to uh, it then. You, you lose all visibility of your roof decking so you can't catch those leaks mm-hmm. when they start and uh so for inspection purposes, you're, you're, you're completely blind to the roof. Yeah. Uh, no, it does turn your attic into part of the conditioned envelope of the home. So you no longer have to ventilate the home because mm-hmm. it's going to be part of the conditioned airspace. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm more of a fan of having enough uh, insulation on the ceiling. Okay. Uh, so that the, you know, ventilate the attic so that the attic is breathing. Yeah. And then having enough insulation uh, to, uh, you know, prevent energy uh, loss and right. you know heat gain and things like that yeah so yeah. not not a big fan of uh even the traditional insulation your I, fiberglass up against the the wall panels or the roof panels i don't know what you not call a, not on the roof not, not on, on the, the roof, roof panels, don't put yeah. don't put your insulation on the roof decking there's no re- reason to do that at all yeah you want your Keep insulation to be on the ceiling or the attic floor but yeah, yeah you do want adequate in- insulation you want an r uh, 30 value okay. on uh, your ceiling yeah and that's going to be enough to you know maintain reasonable uh, energy uh, efficiency yeah gotcha yeah jumping over to uh, pre-drywall inspections or inspections for new builds like people are getting new houses all the time yeah. especially in uh, where we live somerville you know think about next and think about cane bay these are like the big areas there's, yeah. a, there's a bunch of areas y- popping up y- you know how how long they're going to be developing next in so we're gone yeah they, they, they have plans to do it for the next 25 years yeah it's insane one yeah. of my buddies is one of the engineers that's building out cane bay and what he's the development he's working on takes like 30 years to complete from like start to finish that's so ju- that's, that, job that's his security. job that's his job, job security for life, man i'm telling you, know? <laughs> you yeah absolutely that's so, insane and and right now the inventory for uh, used homes yeah and pre-built homes are at an all-time low oh, and have yeah. been uh, for a while. Yeah. And the inventory came up a little bit yeah. recently, but it's dwindling back down. Yeah. The, the interest rates dropped a little bit. Yep. Buyers started coming back out, poking their heads back out, yep. and snatching up inventory again. Yep. So we're, we're going to go into this season with low inventory. So yeah. builders are cranking out new construction fast. Well, here's and the thing about- they are selling it fast. Here's the thing about new and ins- ins- new construction. I know my dad had his house inspected by you, 
but the set the uh, builder provides a home inspection a home inspector right but to me that's kind of like one-sided they're just yeah. going to do whatever it's not in a their third best. party in exactly inspection. exactly yeah. Yeah. so pulling you in and your crew to inspect a new build even if it has its own home inspector is a good idea for a homeowner yeah. right so can you talk to us about pre-drywall inspection new well, building I'll, inspection I'll, yeah pre-drywall there's a lot of inspections that go on mm-hmm. you've got code inspectors you got county inspectors you got uh framing inspectors but the thing is they all go in there and they spend about 15 minutes 45 minutes walking through Hmm. a good pre-drywall inspection is going to take anywhere between three to five hours good lord it's a lot to look at yeah it's a lot to look at because we're looking at every framing member we're looking at every connection Mm -hmm. we're looking at um all, all of the uh the, the truss roof system, you've mm. got truss webbing, you've got truss cords, yeah. you've got roof decking. We're looking, I'm looking to see if these sheathing sections are spaced properly. Mm. I'm looking to see if there's any damage to the truss cords and truss uh, webbing. Yeah. I'm looking at every single connection. Mm. They've got metal connector plates. Yep. They've all got to be fastened properly. Yep. So we're looking at all that. We're looking at hundreds and hundreds of those in a house. So it's it doesn't happen uh quickly. Yeah. You know, you got to take your time. You got to see the field. Super and, important uh, though, I feel like for well, especially someone investing in a new home. It is. It is. Uh and, and another thing that we're looking for are load paths. We're, we're we're focused on load paths. You got dead loads and live loads. Your dead loads, it's the weight of the house. Okay. The weight of the house is distributed through certain points in the home. Mm-hmm. It's not just evenly distributed throughout. Mm-hmm. You've got these stud packs. It's like Where six you see them all studs all together. All together. Yeah. yeah. These are areas to really look at because a lot of times you see a gap at the top of them like mm-hmm. that or a gap at the bottom of them like that. So it, Over can't, time, hold, it can't handle the load. It, it's going to f- drop in and close the gap eventually oh, yeah. and usually that happens after they put the drywall on that's where you get the drywall cracking oh dang that's what causes the drywall to crack oh, and when you goodness. hear about settlement in a home it's not always soil settlement a lot of people think when you hear a home it, all homes settle yeah it's not from soil most of the time what? it's structural settlement no way yeah. so those gaps in the structural shoddy framework what is why the structure settles that's insane yeah so what we do is we go in and we identify these gaps and mm-hmm. we I'll, I'll go in and i'll paint it i'll spray paint it mm. so that the builder can go in find Redo those it. areas yeah. and then put a shim in there it's an easy fix oh you just put a shim in yeah oh that's all you gotta do yeah it's an easy fix when they're in the framing stage yeah once they hang the drywall all that goes out the window <sighs> so if you and i'll go through and a lot of times it's anywhere between 10 to 50 different locations that i'm recommending shims in the house yeah. at one house yeah good lord dude yeah oh my goodness so if you're not doing a pre-drywall inspection you missed an opportunity to do that yeah and then chances are you're going to experience these settlement issues mm. windows that all that used to slide up and down really nicely <laughs> all of a sudden are real difficult to operate yeah settlement really uh doors that used to open and close fine that start to rub Structural movement, settlement. Mm. Um, the doors that used to stay open all the time, but then all of a sudden decide to close <laughs> on their own, and you got to put There's the a ghost. Yeah, put There's the a- door stop on it. Yeah, I mean these yeah. these are all uh, structural settlement issues. Yeah. Um, I, I always say, yeah, it's funny you mentioned ghosts. Yeah, 
the real haunted house is the house that doesn't get a pre-drywall inspection. That's right, brother. <laughs> that house is going to be haunted for a while, man, yeah. with different weird things from uh, the structure moving. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's not me against the builder. It's me with the builder. Right. I work with the builder to make sure that it's done right. And the builders know yeah. nobody's taking the time that we are. So usually the builder appreciates what we do. Mm. They, they, they appreciate that we're taking the time mm-hmm. to go through and find these areas and it'll and, and easily distinguish it for them right. so that they can go straight to it and fix it. Yeah. There's nothing like a builder that looks at a report and he's got pictures and he's looking around and he's like, yeah. where's this? And, and he's got to spend a bunch of time trying to hunt these down. Mm. What's going to happen? He's going to toss that report, hang the drywall, boys. Yep. Yep. All right. But if you're in there and the report's very detailed uh, with the description and, it, and it's marked yeah. where he can see it and he... Boys, everywhere you see the blue paint, fix it. Yep. That's, and they can do it in an hour. Yeah. So uh, when, the, when the process is done right, yeah. you can be sure that you buy a house that um, is, is structured, uh, the, the structure is uh, constructed well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are always say, ask me, does the house have good bones? Mm. Better question is, does the house have good tendons and ligaments really mm. because it's the connecting points oh yeah that i really focus on you know I've, i look at the wood members as the bones but yeah. the the connecting points and and the the load paths mm. are uh you know the the, the tendons and ligaments <laughs> and we want to make sure that those areas are connected well Absolutely. they're tight they're yeah. flush uh, a good framed home is tight and flush and it's going to be solid yeah yeah now let's say you bought a used home Right or bought a pre-owned or a home that someone you know had for a while. They'd never got a pre-drywall inspection. Now you're seeing some settlement. What do you have to do in that case? Rip the drywall off to fix it? Not necessarily. Uh, yeah. You're probably just going to end up having to fix the uh, drywall, and you mm. got to give it enough time to okay. settle. Okay, I see. All what right, you're saying. Uh, because once it reaches that compaction point, it's that, done. That, that point of support, yeah. it's not going to go anymore. Yeah. So um, give give it time. Let it do its thing. A lot of times. Um, a, a seismic event or a wind event mm. can cause this um, because we talked about dead loads right. that come down, but live loads They're pushing it. are interacting with the home. Yeah, yeah, so you may get wind that's really hitting the house, and yeah. and the thing that does the most damage from wind, it's not the wind that's hitting the house because you got all this positive pressure hitting one side of the house. Right, it's the negative pressure on the other side. Mm. With wind hitting with all this positive pressure, there's a huge amount of negative pressure on the other side. That's typically yeah. what causes most uh, buildings to collapse really? is the negative pressure okay. on the other side okay. pushing it in. Okay. So okay. when you've got those live loads happening, though, yeah. those gaps are going to wiggle. <laughs> they shimmy down real quick. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. What if you had this just came to my head, but like, what if you're like seeing your drywall cracking? You're thinking that your foundation is settling. Yeah. You call a foundation a guy to come in and he's like, oh yeah, I need to do this, do that. So like he's jipping you. Could you know be. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's, is there, that's, how do you get, how can you get it, like get two opinions? Yeah. Like who do you call? So. Home inspector? I mean, you can call an experienced home inspector to come out to give you an unbiased opinion. Yeah. Because you've got somebody coming in that isn't going to give you an estimate for repair. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so usually what we'll do is I'll go in. If somebody's concerned about cracking, let me see what's going on. Let me see what type of cracking it is. Sometimes the, the type of cracking is oh. going to determine what you've got going on. Okay. Um, if, it's, if it's a foundation problem, we're going to find some cracks in that foundation. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You're not going to get cracking inside yeah. without cracking in that foundation or some, some sign of movement or settlement. Might be a pier okay. that's settling under the house that uh, mm. the. And, and, and we can identify that. Yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, we want to determine if there's a problem with the foundation, yeah. with vertical soil settlement, yep. or if it's going to be something related to structural movement within the framing. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. and it's usually pretty easy to determine that yeah. if if you are educated and know the difference. Yeah. Now, whenever you're doing like a new build, you do the pre-drywall inspection. Once the house is done, would you come in again or would you recommend to come in again, check everything I, again? I do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I recommend a final inspection before okay. you close on the home. This okay. would be once everything is complete, you guys are ready to close on the house, maybe about a, a week from closing mm -hmm. and they've gone through, they've blue taped it. They've done all their blue tape repairs. That mm -hmm. way we can just go in, we can operate everything. We can test everything, test all the receptacles. We can make sure it's wired properly. Mm -hmm. um, use an infrared in there, see if there's any hidden leaks. Yeah. Uh, see if there's any areas where they didn't put insulation where it should be. I mean, just put put it through the test yeah. and uh, make, make sure that it's good to go. And the reason to do that is because you still have pretty good leverage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The builder doesn't want to push closing back. He's going to want to get mm -hmm. those repairs taken care of for you. Yeah. And you haven't signed uh, signed on the uh, property yet. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, most builders, they do have a one-year warranty after that. Mm -hmm. So if there are any issues that pop up, you're going to have action against that. But usually you're waiting a month or two before they even get to repairing that. Yeah, once you're in there, it's going to take a while. It, it is. He knows. It is. He knows. Um, <laughs> I also recommend an 11th month inspection because oh. referring to that one-year builder's warranty, mm. you have an opportunity in the 11th month to get another inspection and to put another punch list together oh. for your builder to address before the one-year warranty is up. Oh, as wow. a valuable inspection to have. Yeah. So you can use that opportunity to find these issues and you can also use this opportunity to communicate with your inspector saying, hey, this is annoying the crap out of me mm -hmm. and I've seen this and I've seen this and I've seen this. Mm -hmm. Good home inspector is going to interview their client and mm -hmm. first thing they're going to do is put these things in the report. Okay, yeah, you got a leak over here uh, in your shower. Water keeps coming out of the shower when you're using it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things that you discover about a home yeah. after living in it for 10, 11 months yeah. that the home inspector <clears throat> can't uh, discover in three hours on site right yeah. right exactly exactly so you got the pre-drywall the final and, and then, then the 11 month, month. Yeah. That, that'd be a yeah. new build that's what you're looking at yeah yeah and i mean you can even take it a step farther if you want to do a uh pre-pour inspection pre that'd oh, be before, before they the lay the slab you oh. can go out you can check the the pad you can check uh the the rebar um the depth all that you can check the plumbing stubs uh okay just just things like that yeah, yeah. So we don't do too really many of those. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, a lot of people don't even know they should get a pre-drywall inspection. Yeah. yeah. So I've seen you posting about it lately. That's yeah. how I know about it. But before that, yeah. you wouldn't even think. It's like, oh, yeah. the builder knows what they're doing. Yeah. You know? Well, see, the thing is, the builder is not doing the work. Right. These are subtrades, mm. and these sub they're subcontracting out, dudes. These subcontractors yeah. are coming in, and they've they've got tons of them to do. Yeah. They're coming in, bam, 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 move on to the next one. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. Sometimes they're in a, more of a hurry than others, and it yeah. shows. And I've and seen some of these trusses and stuff getting brought in. I guess they're already assembled for the most part, so that's from somebody else. Engineered wood trusses, and, yeah, yeah they get damaged in uh, transport so often. Oh, Yeah, shoot. they bring it in. They drop it down. And, Good Lord. Yeah, so you find cracked <laughs> trusses all the time. Yeah, and metal plates, they're all messed up or missing and yeah. things like that. So, yeah, yeah definitely worth uh, having that inspection. Yeah. And, uh, they're... For me, the pre-drywall inspection is the most important inspection mm. of the entire new construction process. Mm. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. What about like slab considerations versus crawl space? We talk a lot about crawl spaces, yeah. but are slabs like anything in particular with them? Uh, the only thing that we're looking for with slabs is just uh, checking to make sure that 
they're the the concrete mix is proper mm. uh, you know a lot of times they put too much water in it, you got shrinkage cracks and you got oh. bad bad concrete pores yeah uh, we don't want to see that uh, but with slab homes yeah you don't have the crawl space you don't have uh, the moisture issues to deal with under it you yeah. don't have uh, the microbial growth so there's a lot of benefit to having slab here yeah uh, but then you know there's some some negatives to it too mm-hmm. uh, the fact that you can't get under it and inspect it mm. the fact that there's plumbing under there and you mm. to repair plumbing under a slab is nightmare sometimes impossible I was about to say can you even so, do sometimes that? sometimes they just cut it off and then they put new plumbing in oh. to the attic oh really yeah oh, that's dang. usually what happens here that's crazy plumbing it's cheaper to do it that way okay yeah. well i figure the slab you better make sure that pad is like perfect because if that pad is not right, that slab is going to get jacked That's up. That's right. It, it needs to be compacted yeah. properly. Otherwise, you have vertical soil settlement, and then you do have mm. those foundation uh, issues. And got yeah. to call out the foundation guy. Yeah. That's 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 bad news. Yeah. Anytime you you've got to reach out to the foundation guy. <laughs> not a good day. <laughs> it's not a good day. If you see him at your neighbor's house, yeah. you better be. Uh, yeah. Ooh, might be something going on at my house too. Yeah. If you live yeah. in one of those that, that, neighborhoods, that, that's when you start looking at the uh, monthly budget and like, do I need this? Do I need that? Do yeah. I need this? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Eliminate the luxuries. Yep. And pay the foundation man. It. Yeah. Yep. Well, good to go. I, th- I mean, there's so much with houses. I think we touched on at least from my perspective, some of the major points. I, again, I yeah. can't express to the listener uh, how much I learned from you just in those two inspections I did with you or that you did for me, and I was just kind of shadowing you, asking a bunch of questions. I mean, It's the benefit of attending your home inspection. Yeah, You get so much more information than you do just from reading a report. Mm-hmm. You can be on site. You can talk to your inspector. You can ask questions. The great thing about a home inspection is it, it's like a three-hour window where there are no dumb questions. Yeah. Because a home inspector knows it, m- most everything about the home, yeah. and we know that our client does not, and that's why we are there. Mm. So don't be afraid to get involved and ask stupid questions. Yeah. Uh, educate yourself. Learning about your home, yeah. man, I mean, that that's your responsibility. Yeah. So the more you know about your home, the better. I know that for my clients, I offer that on-site, and then I offer myself as a resource mm-hmm. after they close. Yeah. So my clients know that if they see something weird going on at their house or they want to know what something is or where something is, mm-hmm. they can always give me a call, and I'm uh, always willing to help them after the inspection. Yeah. And I will say, too, your uh, your reports are, like, intense. You know, your home inspection, you take pictures of every little thing the homeowner has it and i think the uh, i'm pretty sure you sent it to the seller as well the seller and the home buyer got yeah, it we, we, we sure. do not sell it uh, we do not send it to the seller okay. we'll send it to your real estate agent real estate and to agent. you yeah. uh, who, who you want to send it to after that is up to you but we mm-hmm. feel that the home inspection is confidential information mm-hmm. we're never going to share that with a third party mm-hmm. because sometimes uh, the home inspection is used to negotiate mm. uh, prices right and so you know, when you have a negotiation tool like that, uh, mm-hmm. you, you don't show your cards at the yeah. poker table. You know yeah. what I mean? You, exactly. you keep that close to the vest. Yeah. So we understand how the process works. So we're never going to share that report with anybody unless you tell us you want us to. Yeah. Um, now, with pre-drywall, it's different. Builder needs to fix everything. I say, you get your pre-drywall inspection, read it over, send it to the builder, say fix it. Yeah. Because everything on here needs to be fixed. Yeah. Uh, there is no negotiation yeah. that goes on there. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's just a punch list for him. Yeah. Now, if you're selling a house too, it's probably a good idea to have a home inspection before you sell it, so you know what's going on, right? We we do a lot of pre-listing inspections. Okay. Um, these are people that want to be in control of the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the benefit of doing a pre-listing inspection is that 
you don't have to hire a licensed general contractor to repair things. Mm. Because if I'm representing the buyer yeah. and I see something that needs to be fixed, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to say, hey, have your neighbor fix it mm. and pay him with a 12-pack of beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to make the recommendation to have a licensed general contractor come in and make this repair. Right. It's going to cost more. Right. If you identify these things on your report and you are a handy individual and you are well uh, versed in the repair, you can make the repair yourself. Yeah. Or you can just hire a handyman. Yeah. Not necessarily a licensed general contractor. It's going to save you a lot of money on these repairs. Yeah. So you can get in front of things. Yeah. Uh, also, you can use your inspection as a marketing tool. Mm. You can have potential buyers come in and say, hey, just had this report uh, mm. done. This is a done, performed by a certified master inspector, yep. Internachi and Ashi certified, yep. and take a look at it. Yeah. And if it's a good report, the buyer looks through there like, I like this. Yeah. And, and sometimes they'll waive their due diligence. Mm. They'll be like, this, I'm good with this. Yeah. I'm, I, why, why do I need to pay $500 for a home inspection? Yeah. You've done it for me. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Uh, let, let's go under contract. Yeah. So uh, it allows you to be under, uh, uh, in control of things. Also, timelines. Mm. When you get that report, you know that nothing's going to come up the last two weeks before closing yeah. that's going to cause you to maybe have to back closing up yeah. and have to scramble to find somebody to fix things for you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of benefit to having a pre-listing inspection. Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me, dude. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump over to pest control unless there's another home inspection topic you think is important for the listener I, to I, know I mean, about. The only thing I would say is to choose the right home inspector. Choose Bob. I mean, that's the go-to, man. Well, Bob and his team. You know, I'm, I'm not going to argue. With yeah. you. <laughs> but I'm not the only right. qualified home inspector out there. But you want to make sure that you do uh, vet your home inspector. And yeah. the way to do that is to call and have a conversation. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people listen to their real estate agent, and the real estate agent says, hey, use this guy. Mm. Or here's a list of three guys. Pick one. Mm. Well, if you're going to use a list and you're going to pick one, call all three of them. Mm-hmm. Find out what they're going to do for you. Yeah. Find out what you can expect from them. Just listen to how they explain their process. Yeah. Uh, and you'll get a good idea of who you're dealing with. And, and I think as a home buyer, you want an inspector that's knowledgeable enough and thorough enough to find as many defects as possible, but also experienced enough to be able to communicate mm. properly yeah. those issues because you man there's there's some inspectors out there that are really smart and you know it when you talk to them because you can't understand a damn thing they say <laughs> yeah but that's the issue you can't understand them you know what good is it what are yeah. you learning if 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 he's speaking you know a different language yeah and that's how it is a home inspector we're talking about things it's a different language for some people they've never heard these terms they don't have any clue you, you, you know you it's like a college professor sitting there trying to speak to a grade school yeah uh, you know about calculus yeah it's the same thing the grade school kids not even understanding yeah rolls eyes roll back in the head and they're, they're gone you yeah. know yeah so having a an inspector that can translate the information mm. to you and set expectations mm-hmm. and give their opinion yeah i know as whenever i was getting started out and i, I was all about covering my butt mm. so i'm not going to give my opinion mm. just the facts yeah Th- this is what's going on yeah. well is, is that a problem well you're gonna have to talk to a, a plumber mm. about that well yeah. you're gonna have to talk to an electrician about that but see after a while and you, you, you do enough inspections and yeah. you spend enough time on education, Yeah. you know that these aren't an issue. Yeah. And then you can reassure your, your client, 
this is not a big problem. This is not a big problem. Now, this one here, you're going to need to be concerned with. Yeah. Um, you know, when you ask the seller for uh, when when you're putting together a repair list, mm-hmm. sometimes the home inspector can even help saying, "Hey, yeah, you might want to ask for this, 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 and this." Right. I wouldn't ask for this, 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 or this. Right. Just to give their opinion. So yeah. I, I know that with experience um, and, and, and time and, and education, yeah. I've become way more opinionated yeah. as a home inspector. And I think that that has increased my value and the value that I bring to my clients because yeah. it's just more information for them and they feel better going forward about things because some of these reports are 80 and 90 defects long, 100 mm. defects. And the buyer looks at it and their head's spinning yeah. and they're thinking, yikes, yeah. uh, this isn't the home for us. Mm might be able to talk to your home inspector. We'll go through that report and I'll let them know. Yeah, you, you got a long honeydew list. Yeah. yeah. These are all minor things. Yeah. You know, they're not major. Yeah. And so uh, it, it's nice to be able to give them perspective mm-hmm. on, on these reports. So if you're choosing a home inspector, you want a home inspector that's going to be able to communicate those things to you yeah. and uh, give you a good understanding of what you're purchasing. Yeah. And it, rather than just delivering a report and saying here, yeah. and then you're left w- to work with your real estate agent. Some real estate agents are, are very versed with home inspections and, mm-hmm. and can make some good recommendations, but yeah. they're real estate agents. They're not home inspectors. So you should always have a conversation with your home inspector about the home inspection. Yeah. Don't have a conversation with your real estate agent about a home inspection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I do reiterate if you're especially if you're a first time home buyer, going to the inspection, being there. But even if you're just buying Absolutely. any home, you know, or even I don't know if they can walk with you on pre drywall. Oh know? yeah. Walk with I you mean, every single it, it's inspection. It's rare you that can. they want to sit there for <laughs> three to five hours, but they they, st- they usually stick around long enough to get an idea of what yeah. it is that that we do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The the more you can learn, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I think from a homeowner standpoint, there are things that you can learn about your home mm-hmm. that will pay in the long run. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Well, hopping over to pest control real quick. What are some of the major pest control services that a homeowner or a property owner might be thinking about or should be thinking yeah. about? We talked about termites already, but what do you, what uh, do you uh, got? And I think termites are mandatory, especially yeah. here. Yeah. Um, we have an, an average of 25 termite colonies per acre of land. What? So are you serious? <laughs> quick, quick math, Chad. How many termite colonies do you have on your property? It's, uh, what, 25 <laughs> per acre? Per acre. That's insane, dude. It's like, I can't even calculate it. It's so many. <laughs> I've seen them in the That's woods right. for sure. I've seen oh, yeah. them going up trees and everything. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, we are across enemy lines, and we have two yeah. different types of species. We have the eastern sub yeah. and the Formosan termite. So, yeah. um, termite protection is a must. Homes are pre-treated before they're built. Mm-hmm. That pre-treat is going to hold up for about three to five years at best. So, between that three and five-year mark is when you need to be looking for a company mm-hmm. that's going to be able to provide preventative protection for your home mm-hmm. and a good termite bond. Yeah. Because a termite bond, a good termite bond is going to protect the home and if it fails the bond is going to cover extermination Mm. of the infestation and it will also cover the repairs and replacement of any damages Mm. that come from that termite infestation yeah and uh it should be renewable on an annual basis and uh it's like i said protection that doesn't get covered by your homeowner's warranty yeah homeowner's warranty covers a lot of things but uh those policies don't cover Formosan termites. Yeah. Just did a big uh, Formosan infestation uh, extermination out on Folly Beach. What? Yeah, we were out there. Eric and I were out there what? drilling. I think we 
drilled over 200 holes. Um, it, it was about a nine-hour affair oh out there. Oh, my gosh. And um, they had a slab on top of a slab, and there was a gap between the two slabs, and there was soil grade in between the two slabs. Very, very strange construction. What? Um, it's like an old foundation, and then they put another foundation yeah, put on, top on top. Of it. Yeah. And so what happened is those termites were living between the two slabs. Oh, gosh. We drilled all the wall lines and started going down. I felt that next slab down there. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have to drill through that slab too. The thing is, it's so thick we couldn't get beneath it. Right. So we knew that we had to treat the soil in between the slabs. The bad mm -hmm. thing is it was very difficult to get the soil to take the termiticide. So this is where experience comes in. Mm -hmm. Literally, you had to rod in and then back the rod up just a little bit and it created a suction mm. that allowed the spread of the chemical i mean it's a very very specific type of treatment and that, yeah. that would be you know when i was first getting in the business working with dad <laughs> back in the uh early 90s yeah um i i would not have treated that structure properly mm. but you know when you've treated multiple situations over a long period of time yeah. you, you figure out the little techniques that allow you to treat properly mm -hmm. and, and the thing is with the treatment like that the homeowner would have never known mm. if we treated it properly or not right they, they see you sticking a rod down there they think that you're doing it right yeah but i knew when when more more of the product is coming out mm. and not going in mm -hmm. that you're not getting that soil treated properly yep. um we had to change the tip on our rod mm. to a directional tip that mm. goes out horizontally yep. uh, uh, yeah horizontally rather than vertically yep and uh yeah using using a little little Dang, bit of technique dude. and finesse we were able to treat that that structure properly and then uh you know when you drill all those holes you have to patch those holes yep and uh, that was a lot of patchwork a big pet peeve of mine is seeing sloppy patchwork on those holes mm. we're really meticulous about those yeah. we want them to look just pristine whenever we're done so yeah. you know we, we patch them we let them dry a little bit we sand them down mm. we color it uh, we match the color to the cement yep. by using the old cement dust and things yep. like that so aesthetically we want it to look really good when we're done it's the mark of an artist right there well, i think your intricate <laughs> details of being a home inspector help in that case too especially training your team too yeah. to have that level of detail we, we have yeah. an understanding of building science and uh the way uh buildings are constructed mm -hmm. so when, when you do have that knowledge yeah knowing yeah. how a home is built and how foundations are uh, you can just see in your mind how termites can get into a structure mm -hmm. and a good termite uh extermination we're going to treat every entry point into mm. the house so mm. you can't leave any gaps mm. every bit of soil around that house has to be treated we either dig a trench and treat down to the footer mm. or drilling through concrete and treating below the slab mm. or we're drilling through masonry blocks and injecting chemical into the voids mm. um, brick veneer yeah brick around a home one of the number one places that termites get into the home because you got the brick yep. and you've got the foundation and there's a gap yep Termites come right in between and get up into the wall, and they're in the wall for years oh without knowing. Oh my gosh, it. Yeah. dude, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, so it's much cheaper and easier to prevent termites than it is to exterminate them. So mm -hmm. it's important not to wait for the termite infestation. Mm -hmm. Most homes have termites for four to six years before they know it. Oh, really? And that's where all the damage comes from. Mm. Uh, a lot of people don't know that they have termites until they swarm. 
Oh. They see the flying termites coming yep. out. But see, that that colony's been there probably for about four or five years before they actually release a swarm brood like that. Dang. So, yeah, a lot of damage can happen in four or five years. So, overall preventative termite treatment, that includes the bait boxes, right? I, I prefer that. that. I, I prefer the right baiting system. There's a lot of different baiting systems out there. You need to choose the right one. There's only two or three out there that are actually labeled for colony elimination. Mm. So, you want to look for baiting systems that are labeled for colony elimination. There's dozens and dozens out there that mm-hmm. on, on the label says for the control of termites. Mm. And that's the key. Colony elimination versus control. Yep. There's a big difference right there. Yep. So using a baiting system that is labeled for colony elimination is the way to go uh, for long-term preventative because you don't have soils that degrade in the soil, mm. if, or, or chemicals that degrade in the soil. Yeah. So if you apply a chemical, it starts degrading the day after you apply it. Yeah. Now, it may last five to seven years, yeah. but it's getting weaker by the day. Right. Whereas a baiting system gets better by the day. Mm. The, the, the wetter it gets and, oh, yeah. and the more uh, moist, uh, the, the, the more gnarly it yeah. gets, uh, the, it becomes more attractive to the termites. Yeah. yeah. And if you've got 25 colonies... They're on there. one acre. They're already there. Your baiting system is going to help knock those out. Right. right? Uh, but they're going to reestablish probably over termites, time. Termites, they, they can't see. They can't. They, huh. So so they're, they're blind. They're, yeah. It's not like they're pop the per- periscope <laughs> up and they're looking, okay, there's a house, boys. Let's go get it. They, they yeah. are uh, literally randomly and continuously foraging. So they're just blind out there looking, 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 searching. But they've got a lot of scouts out there. Oh, yeah. And so what happens is they bump into your house. And then they're like, hey, we got something here. Let's, let's yeah. see what's going on. And then they'll yeah. explore the house. So when you have a baiting system installed around the house, you've got buried bait stations yep. every 10 to 12 feet all the way around the house. These continuously and randomly foraging scouts are going to find those bait stations and see it's below ground. Mm. They don't even have to come out of the ground. It's right. ideal. And then the product that's in the baiting system is a compressed cellulose bait product. Uh. So cellulose is the, num- the number one food source. What they want. So essentially we're putting a juicy steak dinner right on their dinner table. Yeah. They don't have to leave home yeah. and they can sit down and eat. Yeah. And uh, they start taking that product back to the colony. They spread it to the queen, spread it to the colony. Uh, these use, uh, to get technical, a chitin synthesis inhibitor. Mm. And it affects their ability to molt. So mm. they can no longer molt properly. And so it's not going to kill them right away. It's yeah. going to kill them on their next molt. So that's probably mm. in a month or two. Oh, dang. Which is the beautiful thing yeah. about the product because yeah. they're, it doesn't kill them right away. They keep taking it. <laughs> they spread it through the whole colony. So by the time that first termite starts to die, everybody's yeah. had a bite. Yeah. And colony is going to collapse. Yep. Those are the baits that are uh, labeled for colony elimination. Mm. Now, the ones that are labeled for the control of termites use a stomach toxin. Mm. So they come up, they eat it, they die quickly. Mm. They, there's no transfer. The next so termite comes, they get it. And they it's just, die. Yeah. But there's no transfer back to the colony. Right. So the queen, all she's got to do is start ramping up egg production, and that's what they'll do. Oh, dang. When, when they realize their numbers are diminished, the queen's yeah. like, i got to get busy. <sighs> so she ramps up egg production. They can also, through the pheromone process, Yeah create a secondary egg producer oh the my queen, goodness the queen will essentially promote one of the reproductives and say okay yeah. you need to start laying eggs too so We're then losing you have too many ar- soldiers or whatever that's right, that's right Dude, because that's crazy the the colony survival uh, relies on worker termites mm. continuously feeding mm. they gotta feed a lot of mouths to feed yeah and uh they, they starve out quick yeah they starve out quick that's crazy yeah dude. So the benefit of having termites like in the environment is just decay of things that have fallen into the like you know rotten wood. That's and stuff the natural like that. order of yeah, things. Yeah, they de- yeah. decompose. Uh, they're yeah. they're 
tremendous decomposers yeah. out there. But Absolutely. you got a cookie cutter neighborhood like Nexton, for example. You got 25 colonies and one acre. That's all house right there, baby. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and there's <laughs> not no much else to eat. Exactly. You know? Now, one thing that we do see with new construction is a lot of times you have um, these earth-filled porches. Mm. So you're talking about a porch, mm-hmm. and it's got dirt in it. Mm. Unfortunately, a lot of these builders use that as a dumpster site for their scrap lumber. Oh, shoot. They throw all kinds of scrap lumber in there, and then they pour a slab on top of it. So you got dirt. No way. you got all this wood in there. What? And when termites find that area. They love it. Oh, man. It's, oh, it's just heaven. a smorgasbord yeah. of uh, soft pine yeah. and chuck full of cellulose. So what they do is they spend years devouring all of that, mm. growing mm. in numbers. Mm. And then you have this big colony, and then one day they're out of food. They have exhausted all the food in that earth-filled porch. Then they come for the house, yep. and they come for the house hard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, th- we, we see that a lot, and mm. that's when you got to go through. you got to drill, and you got to inject that chemical down there. That's when having those bait stations all the way around your house are going are to save you because that in, colony is going to get eliminated. Comes in beneficial, yeah. um, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes even a bait system won't help you in that situation. Really? Because they're inside that that uh earth-filled porch yeah your bait stations are outside mm. oh thanks so they're and, and, inside and they're, and they're the just perimeter. eating that food in there they don't yeah. need to go searching for the bait uh. they've got all that food but then they run out of food but they're right there at the house that porch is attached to the house all they got to do is go in and up and then they their, their scouts are going to find the house before they find the bait station there so you got a bait station out there and that's not even touching the termites yeah yeah. So. Dang, yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah. It, it, the, there is no silver bullet. Yeah. When it comes to termite yeah. baiting, uh, termite protection. Yeah. Bait systems have their pros. I think uh, you know for a long-term pre- prevention, it's my choice. Mm-hmm. But there's also a place for liquid treatment still too. Mm. And uh, it, the important thing is to have a good termite bond. Yeah. You want to make sure that you are covered for the retreatment of termites and the repair of damages and you want to make sure for most and termites are included as well because there are plenty of companies out there that don't want the liability yeah. and they exclude for most and termites on their termite yeah. bonds definitely good to know so the yep. listener now knows because yep. they probably wouldn't even know that for most and termites it's, if, if yeah. you live in the low country if you live in any of the southeastern uh, states 11 southeastern states that uh, are affected by Formosan termites, you want to make sure that that is something that's included on your bond. Yeah. That is a question you want to ask. Good to go. Yeah, when, when, you're, when you are shopping for a termite bond, there are three main things that you want to know about. Mm-hmm. Price, how much is it going to cost me? Mm-hmm. Product, what are you using to protect my house? And the guarantee, what happens if things go wrong? Mm-hmm. Everything else is just bells and whistles. Yeah. Everything else is just salesmen trying to sell something yeah okay but if you boil it down to the those three things and not necessarily in that order mm-hmm. I mean, cheapest isn't going to be the best i can exactly. tell you that exactly yeah. all right but um, like i said there's only a few products out there that i would recommend protecting the home mm-hmm. there's a few liquid products that are good there's a few baiting products that are good mm-hmm. there's a lot more out there that aren't good mm-hmm. okay and they're cheaper products and you may come across the company that are using cheaper products because they want to make more money they exactly. want to keep more money yeah they keep their overhead down mm-hmm. i'm not a fan of that yeah. okay i'm always going to use the most expensive products my prices are always going to be more than the guy that's not using the expensive products yeah. but in the long run yeah it's going to save everybody money yeah because i as a company know i'm not going to be doing retreatments and repairing damages and things like that mm-hmm. and then as the homeowner you don't have to worry about uh, hidden infestations hidden damages yeah. and things like that quality 
to me, to you, it's the same thing when we're running a business or when we're using a service ourselves. Quality right. is the most important thing. Hundred percent to me. You know what I'm saying? One hundred percent. That's why I'm going to yeah. be a hundred percent of my preventative maintenance for my car, my health, my house, my pest control. Because to me, again, that's the quality aspect versus, hey, let me try to save this money. I don't need to pay for that. I don't need to get an oil change. I don't yeah. need to inspect my house, and then all of a sudden. This yeah. happens, and it's way more expensive than all of that. The, the funny thing is, people think they're paying, they're, they're, they're saving money. Yeah, <laughs> that is not the way to save. A money. Train wreck's going to happen at some point. <laughs> That's right. That is not the way to save money. Um, real quick, any other uh, pest control treatment services that like a homeowner or property owner should be thinking so, about other than termites? You know, here we we have a lot of household pest issues. Um, homeowners can do do their own pest control really i mean there are products available over the market um if it's done properly um mild to moderate um pest issues can can really be handled do it yourself yeah. in fact i've got a lot of people that reach out to me and say hey what can i do myself mm. and i am more than happy to tell people how to do things themselves yeah um I, i'm always about the relationship yeah you know i i don't necessarily need a pest control contract with you mm -hmm. for us to have a relationship you know right. so uh I'm, I'm always open to help people do their own uh, thing right. and and I, and I know that um if they if they trust me as a resource mm -hmm. that when things get out of hand mm -hmm. and they need to call the cavalry they'll give me a call and, exactly. and i'll be there to take care of them yeah um but um household pest control we do offer that uh we do focus on safe treatments not, nothing that's harmful nothing that uh stinks up the place uh, we utilize a lot of baits uh, mm -hmm. baiting in the attic is real big for like uh, palmetto bugs american mm -hmm. cockroaches and things like that yeah. that's a breeding area up there we can throw oh, a, really? throw a scatter bait up there yeah. and keep that from being a breeding area it really yeah. holds up a long time yeah uh, same thing with crawl spaces we can put that scatter bait in crawl spaces yeah. um, we're not using uh, contact pesticides and uh, introducing toxic uh, pesticides into the environment. Mm -hmm. I try to be really, really uh, conscious about what we're doing to the environment. Exactly. We don't want to put um, the wrong thing in the wrong spot, and we don't want to affect non-target animals right. and non-target species. A lot of people have pets. That's got to be a consideration. And I'm telling you, it's not yeah. worth killing a family member right. uh, over, uh, you know, getting rid of a few bugs. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah, we're always taking that into consideration. Yeah. Uh, we, we offer yard and lawn uh, treatments. Mm -hmm. uh, fire ants is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. I, I know we worked with some fire ants here for a little <laughs> while. Yeah. Um, I thought about getting an anteater at one point. They don't do the. They don't do it as good as I yeah. thought. I did all my research, but <laughs> but it, it would be cool to see that would thing cool, roaming dude. around here with all the guineas and and everything else that you got going on here. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I would like to see that in action. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, mosquito. Mosquito is actually you know public health. Mm. Uh, mosquito uh, can transmit. Um, Diseases. viruses yeah. diseases and i know that people are affected by mosquitoes so uh, mosquito service is a really popular service we start that up in march and we continue it through october mm -hmm. uh, we use uh, larvicides on uh, standing water yep. we uh, use adulticides to treat vegetation mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's a really effective uh, yeah. service that we oh, offer yeah. yeah very effective you can you speak know. to that uh, again i live out here in the swamp and we have uh, plenty of mosquitoes but uh, bob basically puts up a wall bob and eric they yeah. put up what we call the wall. Like if you ever seen yeah. Game of Thrones, they got the, the wall, <laughs> yeah. you know, keeping the yeah. White Walkers. That's what he's doing to the mosquitoes. And as soon as you cross that wall, they're on you. It's a big you know? difference. <laughs> it's, it is a big difference. It's crazy. And yeah. they're big too. 
That's yeah. that's the reason why they're the state bird. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, and those things will get you through your shirt. Oh too. yeah, dude. They yeah. don't care. If you're wearing a shirt, it don't matter. It'll stick you right through your shirt. The crazy yeah. thing about mosquito, if I'm not mistaken, is it actually when it hits you, it ins- it inserts like a something that way you can't feel they're there. I don't know what it's yeah. called, but yeah, yeah, it's almost like a local anesthesia. Right, exactly. Yeah, and they're just yeah. feeding off. You're like, what the heck? You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Insane. Yeah, so. yeah. So I mean, we've got. Uh, you know, Zika was always a big concern, um, yeah. and that's a possibility. We don't have a ton of cases, so mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that you got to lose sleep if you get bit by a mosquito. But mm-hmm. the threat's always there. You want to reduce the threat, threat as much as you can. Uh, yeah. Chikungunya is another um, uh, uh, mosquito-borne illness. Yeah. Um, Lyme. Oh, yeah. uh, as well oh so, that's on mosquitoes too. yeah it is. oh i didn't yeah, know i thought it was absolutely. just ticks no it isn't they, they, they can transmit that as well dang they, they've found that out actually really? so jumping back into uh ticks you know they yeah. carry diseases and viruses and all that too mm-hmm. so that's what the yard treatment would be for for ticks yeah abs- absolutely ticks fleas. fleas yeah um fire ants those, those are yeah. probably the biggest issues uh some people that have turf mm. uh have uh mole crickets Oh. Mole crickets can uh, really do some damage yeah. to uh, some some nicer turf grass. Yeah. yeah. So you know that would be something that we hit sometimes. And then uh, you have ground infestations of like yellow jackets and things like that that mm. pop up from time to time. So yeah. a good yard pest control treatment is going to prevent all of that or eliminate issues if yeah. if they do pop up. Absolutely. Um, or you could get some guineas. You know, guinea fowl, perfect for ticks. Better, that's the better solution. <laughs> I mean, I'm all about natural solutions. Uh, I, I would much rather have the, the, the pack of guineas than to have a quarterly pest service. Well, the good thing about day. guineas, dude, is they're good for ticks, fleas, spiders and all that, snakes. Yeah. And they're your watchdog. Yeah. So if your teenage kid's ever trying to sneak out, they'll let you know in the middle of the night. They'll start sounding it's, the alarm. It's you know? the best. It's the best. I, I, dude, I... I, I I would highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah, I would. I recommend that over. Some, I'll, I'll get you some when you get your property yeah. if you want. Yeah. If you want some, dude, I'll, yeah. I'll hook I, you I up. I would totally. I would totally. We, we so, may have a conversation yeah, about that we'll in the near future. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're we're getting some peacocks out here in the spring, so I'm looking oh, really? forward to that. Yeah, 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 that's some some nice action there. You, ben, you, ben doesn't know about them yet. Ha, 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 <laughs> have some peacock song. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Two peacocks. Oh two yeah, peacocks. they'll they'll let you know they're on site. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, jumping back into pest control real quick, uh, what was I going to ask? Oh, you know how honeybees, you know, can be affected by some pest control stuff? Pollinators. Yep. How is that impacted by, like, the mosquito treatments or, like, yard treatments? Are they yep. pretty good to go with so, it? So, what we don't want to do is we don't want to treat flowering vegetation. Because mm-hmm. that's yeah. where they're going. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, definitely don't want to treat flowering vegetation. We won't treat yeah. flowering vegetation. Um, we're using pesticides that are not mixed really strong too. Mm. Uh, a lot of people will think, well, you got to use the max strength mm. with mosquitoes. That's not the case. Mm. Max, uh, uh, mix minimum strength because you want them to land on it. You want them to spend some time in it. You don't want them to land on it and be like, whoa, that's, that's hot. Oh. I'm heading the other way. Oh, yeah. And then they get out of there before they're re- truly affected by the, uh, product's mode of action. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, mix, mixing it properly, applying it responsibly, that is a, a, a big duty mm. of uh, pest control, responsible pest control op- operators is to yeah. uh, not impact the environment negatively and not impact pollinators. Yeah. The pollinators are so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are there any uh, natural predators of mosquitoes that you know of that a homeowner could try to establish on their 
they're uh, I mean, there's close to there, there's some natural repellents, um, yeah. chrysanthemums, uh, uh, certain types of flowers will will, mm. will kind of repel them. Mm. But the number one thing is to eliminate breeding areas on your property, which is the standing so, water. Standing water. Right. The, uh, mosquitoes can breed in just a soda cap full of water. Really? That's all it takes. My goodness. So any any amount of water that could fill a soda cap mm-hmm. uh, lid or more mosquitoes can lay eggs in there and Mm -hmm. larvae can develop in it and so gutters going back to gutters yep cleaning your gutters having improperly sloped gutters can hold water Mm. you can have mosquitoes uh come out there um areas that are puddle up and hold puddles for long periods of time Uh, bird baths people have bird baths Mm -hmm. out in their yard change your bird bath out daily yeah uh, things like that. Um, if you have old tires hanging out, yeah. those things hold water for <laughs> forever, <laughs> all the time. They always have water in yeah. them. Yeah. So you know, uh, flower pots uh, that you have out there that may not be in use, uh, just holding water. Yeah. All these little things. Uh, that's that's really the best thing you yeah. can do. Eliminate all the standing water on your property. Gotcha. Um, one last question about mosquitoes: like moist soil. Are they able to reproduce in that, or does it have to be like legit? Like it needs standing, to be standing water. Standing water. It has gotcha. to be standing water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but now, what you can have is you can have some eggs. Mm. They're hanging out in some moist soil. Oh, and they'll just sit there, and then whenever the water comes up, they're good to go. That's right. Okay. Yeah, they start start to develop. They're, yeah. they're, they're dormant. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. what about gnats? Gnats. <laughs> the noceums. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're on your own. Arch enemy. <laughs> yeah. There really is nothing that uh, you can do for, uh, from a pest control standpoint really? to really reduce those. Even yeah. mosquito treatment doesn't reduce those. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those. Where do they come? Where do they, like, reproduce that? Uh, organic material. Okay. And uh, moist. Moist organic material. So everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. There's not much you can do about those, the biting gnats yeah. and things like that. They are seasonal seasonal invaders, yeah. and um, unfortunately, uh, anything that you would do that would have an impact on them would probably have too big of a negative impact on the environment, mm. you know, because you're going to have to go in there with an Agent Orange-type mm. approach. And yeah, not worth it. No, no. Not worth it. No, it's not. You're going yeah. you're, you're to destroy the ecosystem yeah. around you yeah. with something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Nothing do you know what uh, benefit gnats actually have? Do they have any benefit for like uh, for the ecosystem? You know, they're they're part of the food chain. Hmm. So they just so, feed other things. Yeah. yeah, I mean, where, wherever they fall into the food chain is, yeah. you know, obviously uh, their role. Yeah, and uh, I don't know exactly where they fall into that, but they yeah. they are feeding something and yeah. uh, they're providing a purpose and yeah, part part of the natural balance of things. Absolutely, so, you know. Uh, we, we complain about it, but you never know what happens if you take those away. Yeah. Take those away, and then what else goes away? Yeah. And what goes away after that? I'll tell you what, I've had a uh, growing respect for spiders over the years because when I was, of course, when you're younger, you're just, like, killing them all the time yeah. if you see any. Right. But now I'm walking around out here. You see the big, I, I call them banana spiders. Yeah. I don't know what the technical they word is. Yeah. But they have huge yeah. webs. They're mm-hmm. catching mosquitoes, gnats, and yeah. all that. Yeah. And these things are big Beneficial. suckers. Yeah. Beneficial. Yeah. I don't. I do not kill them. I, 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 I name them. Yeah. I'm like, hey, Bob. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> I named one Bob last name year. One after so. <laughs> me, huh? <laughs> but do you know if they die every year, or if they go into like hibernation during the winter time, they come out? Um, do you know, some species will overwinter. Mm. Some some do not. Uh, yeah. It just depends. Uh, the banana spiders, I believe they do. I mm. believe they do. If it, in, in certain climates, yeah. Um, 
certain climates they won't well they know where i walk at too because literally i'll walk into one of their webs the next day they'll move it up and it's crazy how they can build a whole web overnight you know oh yeah in just like a couple hours absolutely it's like masterminds yeah yeah they'll have like web phenomenal way over there web attached they like the way they design yeah. it is yeah. insane anytime i walk through a web i feel bad i'm yeah. like oh man i'm sorry bro yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> i know you worked hard on that yeah. you know that aspires like yeah <laughs> you <asshole."> yeah. <laughs> good to go all right so uh getting off of pest control any any other pest control topics that you think are important for the homeowner or property owner or anything i mean sanitation and and eliminating uh, the conditions that are conducive to infestation. So, you know, insects always have to have a food source. They have to have a water source. Mm. If you can eliminate food source and water source, you're not going to have the infestation. Mm-hmm. So, um, also, uh, vegetation that's touching your house can allow path to the structure. You won't, don't mm-hmm. want vegetation touching the house. Mm-hmm. Um, caulking and sealing your home up properly eliminates cracks and entry points. Uh, yeah. So, all of these things are part of... Um, an an IPM strategy. IPM stands for Integrated Pest Management. Mm. And that's really what, when when I talk to you about old school, uh, using modern uh, techniques, uh, IPM's part of that. Uh, Old school, it was spray everything. Mm. And if that doesn't work, mix mix it stronger and spray everything again. Mm. All right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Now, IPM strategies, Integrated Pest Management. We don't want to just rely on chemical to be sprayed yeah in fact i prefer not to spray chemical unless it's necessary yeah uh we want to do as much as we can we want to advise our clients as much as possible when we see things on site hey you got some standing water over here you need to eliminate that you need to improve drainage here Mm -hmm. Uh, you need to clean your gutters you need to trim the uh trees away from the house Mm. bushes are too too close touching the house Mm. um the the mulch is built up against the house let's get that pulled away um just everything that we can do to minimize our impact Mm -hmm. is what we want to do so we're always advising our clients in ways that they can help improve the process and uh allow us to use less product yeah um because ultimately uh the less product the better yeah yeah you got a question ben i was gonna tell a story about uh bob's brother eric yeah yeah. head of the pest control right yeah Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a little regret right now, Bob, not having <laughs> you come out there because the builders uh, didn't do a great job. Let's, really? just, let's, just, let's just lay the cards on the table. I told them to call you. I told them to call you. <laughs> but they did what you said where, uh, well, one, there's a couple factors. One, I was, we were on crunch for time to get in the house. And uh, yep. they, they had all a bunch of, like, they stopped building the house for a month because everyone was, like, all over the place, like, losing people. But they had their own inspector. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. They yeah. gave us the report. Don't worry. Know. We got you. That's yeah. how they get you. Yeah. That's how they get yeah. you, you know. We were in a crunch. Chad was telling me to reach out to you. Um, but we were trying to get the process going. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so whenever we first were moving in there, had a lot of ants just, like, randomly show up, like, just in my, like, everywhere. You know? Got gotcha. like, you. Yep. Yep. Now, I was like, what the issue is because like my house is clean don't have like food laying around or whatever pretty sanitary like you're saying but one of the issues is like they like i said they did a poor job so not a lot of caulking was done in the kitchen okay mm-hmm. yeah cracks. right and, and sure now even where they did caulk now it's like i have to go through my whole house and re-caulk Oof. yeah the caulk already cracked and 
disappeared. Yep. Yeah. 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 Low quality. Builder grade yeah. caulking. Low quality yes. caulk. Yeah. And these dudes were in a rush to get the project done because they're behind X amount of money. Absolutely. Yeah. And and if you find yourself at the end of the quarter, oh heaven forbid, oh, they, they, yeah. they need to close. Yeah. They they, they, they need, need those money. numbers. Yeah. They, they need, need those money. numbers yeah. for quarterly reports. They need it rolling. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I had your brother come out, and he I was telling him about the ants because that was the number one thing, and he he baited did a bunch of bait stuff, and he was saying that the uh, ants. They built the the slab and the whole structure on top of a bunch of ant nests. Mm. They were just already in the ground. Yeah, just sure. A bunch of them. Yeah. Mm. And he said that's where they're coming. They're just coming up into mm. the house. You know yeah. What yeah. He baited them. You know, we haven't had any ant Good. Since. Yeah. Give me some bait. He's like, if they start showing up, you can use this bait, you know, and like lay it on your like edges of whatever. Yeah. So I would like randomly have that happen. So I would use the bait and then they would yeah. go away. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Right. It, die off but yeah uh, yeah the ant thing was was something that we were dealing with for a while anytime you're dealing with a situation with ants and you they're foraging mm. you've got to get to the colony and so yeah the best way to use that is either through a bait or through a non-repellent uh, pesticide the non-repellent pesticides um, they won't chase the ants around if you use the wrong product you can spray for ants they say they're coming here a lot of people make the mistake they spray a repellent product there it moves them from one place to another. Mm-hmm. And then you spray there and they move to another place. <laughs> it's the it's like the water balloon. You squeeze one side and the water goes to the other side, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, that's pretty much what was happening. Non- yeah. in the kitchen, they show up in my bathroom yeah. or wherever they can. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So non-repellents will allow the ants to trail through it mm-hmm. and they get it on them. And it doesn't kill them right away. Mm-hmm. It's like that bait. They'll yeah. transfer it through their social contact and uh, spread spread the product from one ant to another to another, yeah. uh, ultimately eliminating the colony. So yeah. Yeah, proper use of baits and non-repellents is the way to go with that. Um, and certainly, uh, if, if you are having reoccurring issues, then um, don't, you know, you give us a call. I yeah. mean, we, 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 we want to come out yeah. and kind of analyze that and see, mm-hmm. you know, where they're coming in. And yeah, I'll... Yeah, another visit in yeah 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 keep keep up with it keep up with it but we're we're always on call um you know i i i prefer that my clients don't pick up their own product if 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 you're in my database and you are under an active guarantee then you should just call us and we can come out and you know make make sure that uh things are done properly safely yeah after all we we have the license Yep. to apply the products um so Absolutely. yeah I, I certainly prefer to be on site yeah with, with those i i i mean honestly i love going into difficult infestations i mean that's mm-hmm. what i specialize yeah. in yeah. i mean th- those are the challenging cases the you know? i mean I, I, I don't the... i don't like going out there doing preventative work yeah. <laughs> anybody can do that i let everybody else do that yeah but if there's something and they're like i've had five bug guys out and nobody's mm. been able to get rid of it Ooh, yeah <laughs> that's, that's what i that. like right there check this yeah. out a, a quick story on that had a lady she had book lice really showing up in her house all over her laundry area mm. and then they're spreading from that area but i mean you could tell that the laundry area is ground zero and she's like they just keep showing up on my washer and dryer i keep wiping it off they just keep showing up i'm out there yeah, I'm like the fifth bug guy that's yeah. been out there. Yeah. I go out there, uh, I'm looking through everything. She's got a library on the other side, mm. book lice. They've got books. 
okay, this should be a dead giveaway. I'm going through, looking through. I just can't find any evidence. I'm like, there's no way that this number of book lights are showing up and I'm not going to see where they're at. Yeah. And I mean, I literally scoured, I, I was probably on my second hour of this inspection and I'm starting to feel like the other five guys that have been there before me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe this is uh, outside of my ability here, you know? Mm. And, and then I looked up, I, I think I might have been praying, <laughs> dear God, please give me the the insight to help this woman. And a, as I looked up, I saw a, a jar of uh, fish flakes that you would feed oh. fish. And I looked over and I said, ma'am, where's your fish? She's like, oh, um, they died and I got rid of that tank about eight months ago. Mm. Grabbed that jar of fish flakes opened it up it was just crawling with them oh shoot put the cap on it bagged it up okay you're good to go yeah yeah so i mean that's crazy just sometimes infestation again it was that opportunity they had the food source yep created a breeding ground for them and uh sometimes you just gotta really open your eyes and look around yeah and uh fortunately i was i was the one that that found the problem and, and it takes time doing that some people might be in there they're in a rush they're yeah. they're squeezed you in between appointments or something they're like oh I gotta, right. I gotta go yeah. i gotta go i can't you know yeah and then that's uh, that's where that quality it, it, comes in a, a lot know? of these infestations the answer isn't to spray because you can spray all you want you're not going to get rid of the problem you got to eliminate the source mm-hmm. um same thing with pantry pests same you know with your grandma yeah it was the same thing there and like i'll go into homes and they have indian meal moths in their kitchen flying around I literally have to grab a flashlight and I have to go through their entire food storage, open, looking, looking. And eventually I find something in there that's got some webbing. You see some webbing a lot of times and they can get in unopened containers. So I I mean, I'm looking at this unopened package of food and it's kind of sticking to the sides a little Mm. bit. It almost looks like maybe static electricity uh, Mm. is, is kind of sticking no those that's webbing in there and you open it up and start looking around there's a little extra protein in in, in the rice here you know toss that out in the yard for the guineas exactly oh man (laughs) they'll love that absolutely they sure would um well what i was going to say about neighborhoods because you brought it up they built the slab on top of ants is like think about it every time we build a structure whether it be a neighborhood or just a house out in the woods you're altering the environment and things have already been living there way before you came in. Absolutely. So you're displacing them, and they're gonna they're gonna adapt and adjust, and they're like, oh, food, you know. Yeah. So they'll be yeah. in there, right? Whatever, you know. So yeah, yeah. Definitely got to mm-hmm. keep that in, in consideration. I'm sure. The countertops, they yeah. didn't even. Like, oh, you talking about from a home inspection yeah. standpoint? Oh, oh did, yeah. Did, 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 they didn't secure it properly. No, like, I can yeah. It's funny you mention that. I mean, that's that's literally part of my process, my inspection process. I will go by and I will lift on counters because. Well, real quick, how long have you been in that house? Uh, so I just did. A, this October will be two years. Okay. Uh, yeah. so you're over yeah. the year warranty. Yeah. Well, I yeah. did do my warranty stuff with them. Like they, they uh. messed a bunch of like trim work up and stuff. You know, yeah. It's like it's like a L- lot of cosmetic stuff. Cosmetic and, stuff and, yeah. Right. Uh, that my girlfriend was really picky about. Yeah, so man. I'm telling that you. Stuff had to get taken care of quickly. But yeah. They did have a laundry list of stuff that they would not cover um and a lot of it yeah. was like structure like it seems like stru- like drywall and stuff like that they wouldn't fix you know, yeah all that stuff right so, really very nitpicky shoddy shoddy framework leads to bad drywall yeah and yeah a lot of well, times these builders know that 
um, yeah. it, that it's going to happen and they, they write it out yeah. because they don't want mm-hmm. to fix every single home that they build. Yeah. Well, every a townhome, home they for build example, if you go inspect a townhome because it's like a adjoining structure, yeah. how does that affect the inspection? You have to like, obviously you're like, if you're doing a pre drywall on a townhome, you're seeing into the other townhomes. Yeah. And you see this affects this over here. Yeah. Yeah. Usually on a pre drywall, if it's a, a, a connected structure i mean we're just sticking to the framing that is part of that unit because i mean that's really all we have control over and yeah. you know unless somebody's hiring me to look at more i'm I, yeah. can't, I can't look at the entire structure so yeah uh but there's always plenty to look at and mm-hmm. I'm already yeah to see the too. I'm starting to see the nail heads mm. yeah. see nail pops yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that's pretty common i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily uh attribute that to necessarily poor framework nail pops typically happen just um, as as the wood dries oh. out more they, they, they probably use some wet lumber in there oh, okay yeah yeah the lumber's yeah. supposed to dry which i didn't know right before you use it right it is. yeah they, they use a lot a... of wet lumber so as as it dries you start to develop those nail pops uh start to get some squeaky floors and things like that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. interesting very interesting all right so uh, i do want to touch we got uh, a few minutes left here with Bob. I do want to touch about two things real quick. One is your fitness journey, because I think when I first met you, you were a little bit heavier. Oh yeah. And then I yeah. saw you recently when you came out to do the mosquito that one time, and yes, uh, you were lean, mean fighting machine. <laughs> you had right. your bandana on, a tank top. <laughs> you were letting the guns out, bro. Yeah, so, <laughs> I hear you, man. Can you talk yeah. to us a little bit about your fitness journey and kind of what inspired you to make those changes that you did? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I was fortunate enough to be in a lot of pain. Mm. Uh, I, I actually have bone on bone, uh, arthritis mm. in my, uh, osteoarthritis in my left knee. Mm. So I got to the point where I was walking with a cane, I guess maybe about 12, uh, well, no, maybe close to 15 months ago. Mm. I was, I was walking with a cane. Doing home inspections. Yeah. Doing home inspections with a cane. Yeah. And, um, it was a lot of impact going on there so the cane really helped out a lot i mean yeah. at the end of the day I, I i i saved so much impact on my knee i was like at the end yeah end of the day my knee, knee felt great yeah and i was yeah. like oh I, and i can sleep yeah it's like i love this cane yeah this cane this cane is, <laughs> is my best friend I, I i dude i literally had like five canes I, I had one in every car i had one in the house i mean yeah i'm never without my cane yeah and um we would go to the stores shopping stores Mm -hmm. i I began judging uh retail stores and grocery stores on the quality of their buggies really you know their electric scooters in there oh yeah yeah i'm like oh man this this place is garbage their their (laughs) electric scooters suck look how slow this thing is they don't they only have two and one's not charged you know dang yes got that point you know or or oh yeah this is a nice this is a nice scooter right here i like this man it rides rides great became a, a scooter uh connoisseur you know <laughs> and that Publix because you know they got good ones exactly I don't know if they exactly. do or not. <laughs> uh, you know the wife liked it because we could go to at home and she could shop all mm. day and I was just sitting there it was, it was a comfortable lifestyle yeah but the, the the point was I I couldn't I couldn't take more than 50 steps before the the pain and the inflammation and I'm, I'm just out I, mm. I can't I can't do it I gotta sit down yeah and so talking to my orthopedist and he's wanting me to wait till i'm 50 to get knee surgery mm. I'm like man i can't wait that long yeah and it's like 
is there anything I can do? I was I already had this big brace on my knee, and he already had me taking um, 800 milligrams of um, Advil um, Every twice day? a day. Twice a day. Twice a day. Good lord. Yeah, for the inflammation <sighs> and the pain. So I knew that wasn't good for me. Yeah. And and I had been doing that for almost two years oh with the brace, God. with the with the pain meds, mm. and then now I'm on a cane because it's getting worse yeah and i i looked at just happened to you know be washing my leg you know and i'm down there and i kind of looked at my calf and no longer was there a calf muscle the calf Mm. muscle was not Mm. round it was concave Mm. and it looked like a diseased leg and it really was degeneration yeah right oh totally because i was using that cane yeah so i totally quit i mean my my leg had already degenerated but now even more so because i'm (sighs) taking all the weight on that cane yeah so it was at that point I was like, man, I got to do something. And I know that uh, my orthopedist said for every one pound that you lose of body weight, mm. it's like taking five pounds of pressure off of your knee. Mm. So, okay, I'm going to lose some weight. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was coming in at about 230 Dang. at the time. Yeah. And um, so I immediately started with uh, reducing my portions. Mm. I was eating too much at every setting so i reduced the portion that i was eating to about a third of what i was eating Mm. and i started focusing more on um good calories and uh, made sure that whatever i was putting in calorie wise was you know going to be part of that food pyramid you know i wasn't gonna uh, i I cut out sugars eventually yeah and uh the weight started dropping off Mm. Uh, a couple other things happened along the way Uh, you know i i had to take heartburn medicine every single day for terrible heartburn that I always had. Really? I haven't taken heartburn medicine uh, since I started. Yeah. Um, I was just eating too much at one time. Uh-huh. So it's like, uh, you know, packing, packing the system mm-hmm. and you just get this backup. Your system's not processing all this food that you're putting in it at yeah. one time. And that's what was causing my heartburn. Yeah. Uh, doctors don't even tell you that. Yeah. You know, they say, here, take this pill. Yeah. No, that's and, there's and some. instead of saying, hey, stop eating so much yeah. at one time. So reducing the amount that I was eating, I started eating a little more frequently, you know, instead of just cramming it in my gut three times a day, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just eating a little bit, let, let it process, eat a little bit more. Yeah. So the weight started dropping off. Yeah. And um, I got down from 230 pounds to, I, I hit that 170 mark. And once I hit that 170 mark, I was like, okay, now I, I look thin. Yeah. Now, now I think it's time to, you know, start incorporating some kind of, uh, resistance yeah. training. And so I, I had done weight, weight training in, in, in the past, back whenever I was a 20 year old strapping young warrior <laughs> and, uh, it was a different type of training then. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was, it was I, I was more about putting on mass and yeah. I was more about, you know, a, a two to three rep range. Mm-hmm. So now I wanted something that would allow me to have more endurance. I wanted mm-hmm. functional, uh, strength. So yeah. started working on lighter weights, higher rep, uh, more geared towards my age group you know what i mean <laughs> works really well for my age group yeah uh so i stay 12 to 15 is really nice 12 yeah. uh, sets of 12 to 15 and and you know maybe like five five sets yeah uh really just exhaust the muscle that way mm-hmm. and uh it's allowed me to work without getting tired yeah and that's what i wanted yeah. I'm, I'm not so focused on you know the physique 
although you know it, it does come with the territory yeah but i'm more focused on the the lean muscle because mm-hmm. i don't want to put on weight mm-hmm. i wanted to continue to take off weight right so i incorporated that um able to burn some calories doing that still maintain the diet uh got down to about 155 Dang. and uh, that's crazy that that's where i'm staying right now that's where you're at right yeah, that's where i'm at maintaining now. it yeah maintaining 155 mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go much lo- lower than that um yep. but i certainly don't want to go up anymore either because the knee feels really good right now yeah you know i'm able to go out do commercial inspections for 10 hours on my feet yeah and uh you know it, it's a little sore at the end of the day yeah. trust yeah. me yeah. Uh, no, make no mistake about it it's it's sore but yeah um and i know that it's there However, it's manageable, and I believe that I can make it to 50 or beyond before I have to uh, get the surgery done. Yeah. And so it's really given me some extended time. But more importantly, man, it's just life-changing stuff. You know, yeah. I, I, I've changed my diet. I've eliminated the, the sugar intake. I, and, and then one one good change mm-hmm. just kind of led to another. And then mm-hmm. I just started to eliminating more bad habits and more bad habits it, it was a very transformative year yeah i call it the the the, the positive change reaction yeah um, a positive change reaction happens when you start creating positive habits mm. because the the counter can happen too mm. you can have a negative change reaction mm. where you start one bad habit and yeah. then one bad habit leads to another bad habit and then to another bad habit and then you go down the bad habit hole yeah uh so that positive change reaction when when you when you do something positive and you create a positive habit it becomes much more easier uh much more easy to eliminate other bad habits yeah and you get on a roll and that's what i did this past year a little over a year did that and um started exercising another muscle uh that to me is the most important muscle and that's uh discipline Mm. started exercising discipline you Mm -hmm. hear that your whole life Mm -hmm. um you got to exercise discipline yeah i never really thought about what that means exercise discipline you know that means you got to be disciplined no exercising discipline is practicing it telling yourself no when you know that it's the right thing for you right doing things that you don't want to do right. when it's the best thing for you you know I, I think that every day you should do something that you really don't want to do yeah as long as it's good for you yeah uh, so like for me that's getting up in the morning about 4 30 that, that, that that's a golden time for me and i've never thought i'd be this guy <laughs> i never thought i'd be a 4 30 guy ever yeah all right but get up at 4.30, between 4.30 and uh, 6.30, nobody's up, business isn't rolling yet, mm-hmm. I'm not getting texts, I'm not getting emails, I can just really focus on me, I can focus on the mind, I can focus on the body, yeah. um, and it's such a, so important mm-hmm. to be able to devote that time to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to develop yourself, uh, yeah. and, and so I, I, I prepare my body, for the work that I have to do, and I prepare my mind for the work that I have to do. Yeah. And uh, part of that, like I said, is exercising discipline every every day. And and the thing about discipline is it's like a muscle. Mm-hmm. If you don't use it, it, it goes away. You lose it. And and it, it becomes very difficult for you to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. But if you work a little bit every day on discipline, that your 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 strength and your resolve will grow. Right. And. Uh, the things that discipline allows me to do has made my life so much better. Yeah. Really has. Good to go. I know like motivation and discipline are two different things. Oh, Like you yeah. might feel motivated to start 
being disciplined, but then you have to maintain that discipline long term. Yeah. You know, and uh, just like you said, I get up early too to take care of myself before the kids get up, before anybody gets up, before the business gets going. You know how it is. And so that's my time. I get to focus on myself. And most of the people that are in the gym with me are business owners or high level managers. Yeah. They're doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's great to be around like-minded people that are up in the morning, you know, getting after it, having that discipline, but your transformational story, you know, impacts me a lot, you know, it motivates me. I know it will motivate the listener as well. And people that get to hear that story because you made little decisions that led to a big term outcome, but you made those decisions. No one can make them for you. You identified a problem and you're like, Hey, I have to make a change in order to make sure that I'm good to go for X amount of years or for the rest of my life. I don't want to keep degrading, you know, and sometimes it takes that one thing to kind of trigger you like you see in your calf concave that, that, like that, that's that like was a, the moment right that's there a knife to the heart yeah. man you yeah. know it's like yeah. holy shit and and you're walking with the cane at 48 years old yeah you feel like you're 68 years old yeah and you know fast forward one year i i feel like i'm 28 now so that's yeah. a, that's a 40 year swing yeah uh, so it, it it's worth it it's worth mm-hmm. the investment mm-hmm. to your point nobody's coming to save us exactly nobody's coming to save you yeah you you have to save yourself mm-hmm. and uh motivation like you said it's a feeling mm-hmm. comes and goes mm-hmm. you can't count on motivation i know a lot of people that wait on motivation to start something mm-hmm. and they never start yeah you feel motivated but motivation doesn't get your butt up every morning mm-hmm. and motivation doesn't push you to do that extra red rep or set motivation doesn't um doesn't help you get through push through the pain and yeah. and, and, and and literally hurt yourself yeah you know um no that is dedication mm-hmm. and that is uh that, that's that resolve and that that discipline yep um doing doing stuff that we don't want to do mm-hmm. because i'll tell you this every morning i don't want to wake up i was about to say <laughs> i don't want to get up everybody Make no mistake about it. I'm not getting up at 4.30 whistling Dixie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're saying some four-letter words. <laughs> I'm like, am I really doing this again? And I want to sleep, but uh, I know, I know for a fact that uh, it's such a good trade. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to exercise because it hurts mm. and because it's uncomfortable. Well, life hurts. And life mm-hmm. is uncomfortable. Yep. Cho- I well, mean, I, you ever see those those uh, quotes or sayings where it's like, "Choose your uncomfortable." You could be uncomfortable now by exercising, or yeah. you could be uncomfortable later because you failed to exercise, failed to take care of yourself. Now you're disease ridden, or you have all these health issues, and right. it's even worse. Uh, un- you know? un- unbelievable how people don't embrace that. And and I mean, I I get it. You know, I got into that sedentary lifestyle mm-hmm. and i completely uh just let it go you know and yeah. it, it's, it's comfortable and yeah. i get it you know uh, our, our our minds are really good at tricking us into doing what's comfortable our, our brains are looking out for us you know mm-hmm. our brain's like yeah no you shouldn't do that mm-hmm. you know you should do this eat more yeah sit more um the, the drive is there yeah. uh, but i always say just just get in there just get in there and and do one thing Mm -hmm. even if it's just stretching 
Yeah. Start stretching. Get yeah. in there and do something. Put a, put on a gym outfit and just go in there. Yeah. And start doing one thing. And then it'll lead to another and another and another. Yeah. I promise you, if you get in there and you just do one thing, one one set, mm-hmm. then you'll be like, you know what? I'm already here. Let's do another. Exactly. And then so, some of my best workout sessions started with me going, I don't want to do this. I'm, ju- I'm just going to show up. Yeah. I'm just going to show up and do do a little bit. Yeah. And then by the end of it, I'm this beast you're a warrior bro i'm, I'm, I'm just a the walls beast, down. man yeah you, you, you go through it and you're like holy cow i did not know i had that in me yeah. you know you, you, yeah. you get in the zone yeah but uh you're like you said your mind plays major tricks on you because just this morning i got up my alarm went off you know i'm up and i'm like my brain's telling me you should probably lay back down and i was like maybe i do need more rest yeah but then i just went and i executed my routine and i feel yeah. like a million bucks after that you know because to me, getting the blood pumping in the first thing in the day helps me. Oh, you know, it tremendous. Makes, it makes the day way different. Oh, you it know? does. It does. It, you know, I always say that uh, my, my cup of coffee is pain. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wakes you up like pain. Heck yeah. You, know, you become a, a, a glutton for that punishment. Yeah. But, uh, you know, not everybody's wired that way, and I get it. Yep. But you've got to exercise discipline in your mm-hmm. life. Uh, and, and you will be better for it. Yeah. And I, I'm living proof of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I decided, and I think it's a question that everybody should ask themselves. Uh, who do you want to be for the next 20 years of your life? Mm-hmm. I asked myself that question. Do I want to be what I am for the next 20 years of my life? Started counting up the bad habits, mm. started doing inventory mm. on how I was as a man, mm. how I was as a father, how I was as a husband, yeah, and taking a real honest look at it, you know, I always considered myself to be a good husband and a good father yeah. and a good man with a good heart. But then started thinking, can I be better? Mm. Honest question, honest, and, and the honest answer was, I can be a lot better. Yeah, I can be a whole lot better. Yeah, and so then I started trying to find ways to do that. Uh, I think every problem in our life, whether it's relationship, whether it's business, whether it's personal, I think we don't hold ourselves accountable enough. Mm-hmm. We look at outside forces and reasons. We justify uh, why things aren't working out for us, mm-hmm. why the relationship is bad, the other person's fault. So often, you're, oh, she, she's yeah. crazy. He's crazy. Yeah. It's him. He's got the problem. He's got the problem. Yeah. Well, Oftentimes, you're part of the problem, too. Oh, yeah. And we don't like to admit that. Mm -hmm. But we have an opportunity to make that change each and every day. Yeah. And we only have control over us. Yeah. We can't control what they do. Absolutely. Once you start trying to control what everybody else does, it's not going to go well for you. But you do have control over this, how you think, how you act, and how you perform. And if you change yourself, Mm -hmm. a lot of times other people see that change in you, and they make the change themselves. Yeah. Uh, people would rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. Mm-hmm. I like for people to see me in action, and I think I've affected more people uh, just by showing them yeah. rather by, than by telling them. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, along those lines, I've kind of done some self-assessments of myself too, you know, and I know we've talked about it before, but, you know, if me and my wife are discussing something, mm-hmm. discussing, yes. you know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Or if, uh, you know, I'm I'm working something out with one of my team members my employees or something like that at this point i'm trying to like figure out okay what can i change in this scenario whether it's me and my wife 
discussing something or whatever. And if I can identify one thing that I can change, you know, the next time that situation pops up and I've made my adjustment, the situation is resolved before it's even a situation. Right. You know, right. because I've identified what did what can I change to improve this in the future? Yes. And then everything falls in line after yeah. that because I'm trying I'm trying my best and we're all humans, we're not perfect. That's but right. Trying to hold myself accountable or trying to make those small habit changes so that I can handle things a little bit differently, which helps the whole situation overall. It is amazing what what you can do when you recognize your own faults Mm -hmm. rather than ignoring them, Mm -hmm. Uh, looking within rather than looking outside. And then you can start to deprogram yourself because we program our minds, whether you realize it or not. We're all programmed. Mm -hmm. And for example, I started getting into a bad habit of um, getting ticked off in tra- traffic. I oh, mean, shoot. Where, where we live, it's probably, we probably have some of the worst drivers that I've ever been around. <laughs> and I didn't even realize it, but I started getting to the point where just the slightest thing, and I start going off at the mouth, uh, mm-hmm. just complaining about it, you know? Yeah. And I became aware of it and realized that it became default programming. Mm. And we do that. You have default programming. Mm. Sometimes uh, some it, it'll be your reaction to criticism, mm. you know, rather than listening and taking it into consideration. Or sometimes it's with our uh, significant others. Mm-hmm. When they bring up a point, mm-hmm. your automatic default may be to argue back mm-hmm. or to snap back rather than to sit and listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, you know, in traffic, uh, I started doing that. And I started realizing, man, you know, I've, I've somehow programmed myself to do this. Yeah. And so then I started being conscious of it and I wanted to change it. And, and so every time something would happen, I'd have that tendency, no, uh-uh, no, we're going to change this. Yeah. And, and, and then eventually, what, what was a little hard to break that habit, mm-hmm. you deprogram yourself. And yeah. then pretty soon you program your mind. Every time somebody goes in front of you, you know, cut you off or something, yeah. you back off. Hey, you know, I'm, let me give you some space, brother. Yeah. Obviously, you're in a bigger hurry than I am. Let me let me give you some room. Mm-hmm. Let, 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 me, let me let you travel in peace. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so uh, be aware mm-hmm. of how we pro- how you're programmed yeah. and understand that you can reprogram your thoughts. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a that's a great great tool i mean we're 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 blessed with these these vessels man these vessels are awesome man they can do so much we got this big brain we got this functional body i mean uh it's like driving a a car off the lot man if you take care of it it's gonna it's gonna be a a a fabulous vessel to ride around in for the next 40 80 years or whatever going back to that preventative maintenance for your house for your car for your body for your health for your mind for your relationships for your for your business you know yeah yeah you if you want joy in this life you you can have it you just have to choose it and you you have to maintain and have perspective um put put your focus on things that are important Mm -hmm. uh you know if from a business standpoint if you if you get into business to make money and be rich you'll never be happy Mm mm-hmm get into business for some, uh, for other reasons, reasons that you love, uh, you know, for the sake of building something, mm-hmm. for helping others, mm-hmm. for giving, uh, providing jobs, um, make money to give money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 there was a, there's a point in my life where I wanted material things mm. and I'd never been 
more miserable in my entire yeah, life. Yeah, because you can never have enough. You can you never know? have enough. It is not the way to go. Yeah. Now, I want to make money to give money. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you can't breathe in without breathing out. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I've never, I'm, I'm never more happy than I am when I'm giving. Yeah. And so now, I want, I want to make more money because I want to give more money. Yeah. And uh, it's a little bit selfish because it makes me feel so good, but. You know, none of us are perfect. It's good to go, bro. (laughs) I think that's a great place to to wrap it up, man. I know you got a home inspection this afternoon. Yeah, we got a pre drywall here in about an hour. And man, uh, man, it's it's awesome. I mean, I appreciate uh, you coming out. I know I've been working on you for a couple of years. Yeah, finally got it locked in. We shouldn't have waited so long, (laughs) and uh, you know, we we should definitely do it again. We could do it again, bro. With or without the cameras and the oh, microphone, yeah. you know, man. I always, uh, I always enjoy time with you, man. Yeah, like that yeah. one time you you happened to come out. I know Eric might have had a, you know, he might have taken a day off or something, yeah. you know, giving Eric a hard time. Yeah. If you're listening, Eric, we appreciate you, bro. <laughs> but uh, you know, just chatting with you that day, and I always feel bad because I feel like I'm holding you up because yeah. me and you can just go for a while. We you know? can. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a natural thing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there there are certain people that you know you you just uh, vibrate on yeah. that same level we always have man yeah. and uh I, I certainly consider you a, a one of one of the few friends that i really have around here you know oh, appreciate uh, that's that, why man. it's it's just easy we relate to each other we kind of uh are into similar things and, yep. and so yeah i mean it's it, it's preacher and inquire exactly well, <laughs> let me know when you're ready for the guineas i'll i'll hatch them for you oh, i'll man. hatch them out of my bloodlines here and i'll bring them to your place and get you squared away Seriously, you let I, me know. I, I'm going to take you up on that offer. And Seriously. chickens too, because you guys yeah. need free-range eggs out there when oh, you get that. Forget product. about it, man. Dude. I mean, the cost of eggs now. I mean, are you kidding me? There's literally nothing better than an egg that came from your property. Yeah. Where the chicken is eating the the bugs and the forage off of your property. That egg just tastes better. Oh. You know what I'm, I'm saying? So. I, I'm sure. I grew up on a farm, actually. Oh, did you acre really? farm. We had okay. 50 chickens in the chicken coop. And Good to go. Yeah. So that, that's a story for another podcast, <laughs> Exactly. <man. laughs> Bob on the farm. Farmer right. Bob. <laughs> Well, hey, how can people get uh, get in touch with you and your businesses? Oh, you can always go to the websites. We have uh, CarolinaPremierInspections.com, mm-hmm. dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, things on those websites where you can see what we do, how we do it. We've got uh, ways to contact us through the websites. We've got ways to schedule appointments through the websites. But um, I always say you want to talk to the guy yeah. that you're doing business with. So mm-hmm. uh, feel free to reach out. Give me a call. Um, my, my cell phone number, 843-801-3082. And you can talk to me personally. I'm always happy to uh, discuss. And I think, I don't even know if you, yeah, you've got the new yeah. cell phone number. I, had, yeah. I actually yeah. had to, the old <laughs> cell phone number became the office number because it just rang too much and I couldn't, yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't even get any work done. I did the same thing, dude. Yeah. I had to, cause, uh, you know, if you have to be able to operate, but you also have to be able to talk to people. Yeah. So it's gotta be balanced. It, it, somehow, it, it's, it's a balancing act, but, yeah. uh, love what I do. Um, love, love where we live. Yep. Love the people that, um, I get to work with. And, and like you, I, I appreciate you having me out here, man. It's been a blast out here on, on, out. on the property, yeah. out, out in the lower 40 here yep. I mean, <laughs> in the swamp uh, bro ju- just amazing i want to grow up to be like you <laughs> hey you're getting that land soon man you're good to go that's right 
Um, real quick, the podcast is sponsored by Canine Revolution Dog Training. So, Bob, if you're out there and you run into some dogs, you know, in the in the home inspections, I'm sure you've had some situations. Yes, you know, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, you are but, uh, you're, you're my go-to recommendation for that. Appreciate hundred uh, percent. I've I've seen the facility and I've I've seen your employees and I've seen how you guys operate here. Um, I don't I don't recommend businesses that I don't know about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never seen a better setup here when it comes to canine training. So well, I'm just like yeah. you, you know, how we are about the quality Absolutely. The training of the team is, yep. is essential. And if someone can't meet that standard, then maybe they're not cut out for the team. But of yeah. course you take the, the time and the ownership to try and train them the best you can. But then sometimes people just don't work out as you know, because yeah. we talked about that before too. But I mean, running a business is is not an easy thing it is uh but if you can train up your team and build them properly then you all have the mission in mind and you're all a team player you know what I'm saying? yeah man so. um you know a lot of times we just don't realize the impact we have on each other and others mm. but i can tell you that you've inspired me you've inspired it. me a lot with what you've done here with your organization the house the land all of it i mean like I said, when I say I want to grow up to be like you, it's, I'm not lying, man. Uh, you, you have inspired me uh, to, you know, step out of my comfort zone and, and, and to continue to grow my businesses. So, mm. you know, they say iron sharpens iron, man, and uh, those those words are, ring true. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. And I think me and you are both lucky, too, to be able to be in business with our families, you know. Blessed. Even though we're the business owners, Blessed. you know, we're both working with our brothers and having that, that extra bond. It doesn't work out for everybody, but I think with the mentality of like taking the taking the ownership or trying to you know look at yourself more than blaming other people i think that's how you can work those things out you know what i'm saying 100 percent, man but uh one other quick thing is uh if you guys want to support the podcast the listener you guys can go to amazon in the link below you can grab a good to go shirt which is a canine revolution shirt you'll be good to go and then also these drinks, Bob. These are good. Checking out the Jocko. These, these are good. These are for you to take home. Oh right man, there. I'm take taking those home for sure. Yeah. And um, if Ben has any, did you drink the other two? <laughs> yeah. The, the the mango is really good, man. Yeah. So uh, these totally. are these are yeah. Jocko goes. They're clean energy. We were talking earlier yeah. about diet and health, and I did a podcast about diet and health where I described how I found these. But and we were talking about before, but I don't like artificial sweeteners. I don't like refined sugars and processed foods and these are sweetened by monk fruit they're clean energy i like them i know you're on yeah. the mango train and, and i mean i'm not here all jittery and, yeah and that's important freaking yeah. out you know i'm not yeah i'm not having a panic attack over yeah. here and uh, the energy <laughs> drinks you get at the gas station they're gonna they're bad for you because they got like too much caffeine we're talking about 400 milligrams caffeine in a can that's gonna yeah you're not supposed to have that much caffeine you know yeah right I mean, he's got like 90 milligrams it's like a cup of coffee it's basically perfect. You know? it's perfect so yeah i'm, I'm, nice I'm, I'm a fan i'm already an early fan of these so go, thanks for bro. turning me on to these yeah man yeah well if anyone if any listener wants to try them out you can go to jockofuel.com you can go to originusa.com use the code singer 101 for 10 percent off and the other thing is I'm big on supporting America, and these are made in America, sourced in America. Nice. Everything Jocko Fuel Origin USA is is doing that, and I'm a big supporter of trying to bring things back to America. I'm trying to get dog supplies made in America, made in the Low Country. I'm working with some guys trying to get yeah. that going, so uh, that's important to me. Fantastic, right now, important you know? to me as well. Yeah, hundred percent. So, so yeah, I support it as well. Good to go, yeah. bro. But uh, you got any closing thoughts? 
No, I think I've I've given my closing thoughts. <laughs> I, I think I gave you like eight of my closing thoughts. So <laughs> good yeah. to go, bro. I, I really I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with this. I want to do it again. Let's uh, do it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, maybe we can have Eric come by. We'll, 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 we'll always we'll, have we'll something have to talk bro- about. We'll have the man. brother the brothers going at it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I know Eric's got some crazy stories too. <laughs> yeah. Oh oh yeah. I mean, if you get me and him together, we can go back to childhood, <laughs> and we we can have the whole uh, Bug Brothers. Uh, chronicles that's what we'll do that's what we'll do yeah we'll have you and eric me and ben swapping some stories and stuff so that could be that could be a full day right there we'll have to cut off literal eight hour block out some time for the for the siblings podcast (laughs) (laughs) good to go man well thank you again bob and thank you for all you've done for us and to the listeners seriously i know bob's saying hey you know make sure you're asking your home inspector questions just ask about just have bob come out and do it because the way he does it, he's so meticulous. He fi- he is going to find anything that needs to be found. You know, then the pest control side, same thing. They're going to make sure that it's set up for you specifically. And if things change, like if you decide to get chickens, they're going to adjust the plan so that the chickens are not impacted. You know yeah, what I'm saying? So That's right. Anyway, thanks, Bob. Thanks hey, for coming anytime, out. Anytime, man. man. Thank you. And uh, for the listener, this is Pack Talk Podcast. And until next time, out.